This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Let's kick off the my lighting up. Oi! From my friends. The star of the show. Oi! Oi! I spoke to a radio broadcaster famous here in New York, WABC, Sid Rosenberg. Oi! This Oi! is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. 77 WABC. The mayor and law enforcement officials announced a major gang takedown in Queens. Investigators say the warring groups terrorized residents of two public housing complexes. Mayor Adams entered the office of Queens District Attorney Melinda Katz, drawn like a lemming to a table of guns used by rival gang members in a years-long war against each other. Gangs plus guns equal graves. Now a legal battle in the Gabby Petito case over a letter. According to CNN, an attorney for Petito's parents says Brian Laundrie's mother wrote her son a letter with references to getting a shovel and burying a body. The Petitos are suing the Laundries for emotional distress in connection with Gabby's death. I will tell you this, the president is the best communicator that we have in the White House. I'm going to say something that's always controversial, but... There is no rationale for assault weapons and magazines that hold 50, 70 bullets. The mayor, Eric Adams, had one of the greatest quotes of all time right there in today's open. Guns and gangs equals graves. And uh, that is one of the major stories we'll cover here on WABC all day long today. This 23 gang members arrested in New York yesterday after a young lady, a mom, was killed by a stray bullet. Eric Adams has had enough. And they arrest 23 gang members in New York. And again, that comment, guns and gangs equals graves. That is a a heck of a comment by my friend, the mayor, Eric Adams, who is set to join me once again this Friday right here on Sid and Friends in the morning. And that brings me to my co-host for the day, my guest for the day. She is the head, and if I say this wrong, correct me. Of the victims, uh, you're you're a victim's advocate, is that right? How do you say it exactly? The founder of Victims' Rights New York. There you go. Jennifer Harrison, and um, you were just uh, not that long ago living in Shirley, Long Island, the same place that Lee Zeldin lives. There was uh, some some gunshots. You've got a, a young son at home, just like Lee Zeldin experienced what about the time he was running with his two daughters, gunshots, hit his uh, porch, all that. So you've seen the gang lifestyle, whether it's MS-13 or other gangs out on Long Island. You've seen that up close. So hearing that 23 gang members were arrested yesterday, it's got to make you happy. I mean, it, it makes me feel a little bit better, but when are they going to be back out on the streets? Melinda Katz is not the most um, 
you know, prominent law enforcement agent in, in the city or the state. She, you know, her conviction integrity unit is overturning invic- convictions of gang members. Um, there was a murderer of a 14-year-old girl that was just his conviction was overturned. So I don't really have a lot of confidence in her. That's Curtis Lee's ex-wife. Can't say that. <laughs> By the way, Curtis will join us at 7.05 this morning. Great guest list today, Brian Kilmeade. He'll be here at 6.40. Curtis Sliwa coming up at 7.05. Gordon Chang will be here at 7.40. And, of course, as he is every Wednesday, the great Congressman Peter King will be here at uh, at 8.40. Let's play that uh, one more time. We have that uh, Eric Adams cut. Guns plus gangs equals graves. Play that, Lewis. Gangs plus guns Equal graves. Oh, the other way around. Gangs plus guns equals graves. Yeah, it doesn't work the, that other way. <laughs> doesn't work. Uh, of course it does. It's like a uh, dangling, dangling part of something. Oh, that's what it is, yeah. Uh, something like that. I feel like it's the G alliteration is why it all works, no? Gangs, guns, graves. Gangs plus guns <laughs> equal graves. I love that. Do you think he writes it out before he uh, says that? What are, you, are you making fun of the mayor again? What are you doing? I just asked, does he think he writes it out? I so meant, that seriously, that was a great cut. Okay. No? Well, I, I've been doing the math here, and I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that... Yeah. Yeah, maybe it comes out. You know, I had the mayor on about two weeks ago, and again, he'll be back on Friday. And uh, during the conversation, I was getting texts from you, Jennifer Harrison, and you seemed very frustrated and very upset. Like a lot of my listeners, every time I bring them on, I would say 75%... Good job. Glad you're talking to the mayor. Glad there's an ongoing conversation between a Republican and a Democrat. 25% go, he's the worst. He's never going to fix anything. You're embarrassing yourself, Sid. Cut it out. Blah, blah, blah. I'm not sure which side you're on, the 75% or the 25%. I don't, it depends on what day it is. Right. But, you know, I'm glad that you talked to him. He is the mayor. So what are you going to do? Just ignore the fact that he's the guy in charge right now. Somebody has to talk to him and, and talk some sense into him. And, you know, I'm rooting for him. You know, we talked about this over the phone. If he doesn't do a good job, more people die. I just wish that all of these people in charge would stop playing politics because people are dying. So, yeah. you know, we have to put people over politics and stop with stop with the games and the shenanigans and, and let's fix this because it, it, it has to end. Who are you more frustrated or more angry with? The mayor, Eric Adams, or the governor, Kathy Hochul? Well, I, I mean, it has to be Kathy Hochul, but I'm also frustrated that the mayor, you know, before the election stood with her time and time again instead of calling her out a little bit more. I think that he should have exerted a little bit more of his power. I don't know if he realizes the political power that he has as the mayor. And, you know, the people in New York City will stand behind him yeah. before they stand behind Kathy Hochul. So I think that he should have come out a little bit more. All right. The, uh, another major story from yesterday. Me and Giuliani were here. Nikki Haley has jumped in. So now we officially have two Republicans running for president in 2024. Of course, my guy Donald Trump in for weeks, maybe months. Now Nikki Haley Haley has jumped in. If you missed it yesterday, this was the announcement. Lou Rapino, Nikki Haley, cut number 10. The railroad tracks divided the town by race. I was the proud daughter of Indian immigrants. Not black, not white. I was different. But my mom would always say your job is not to focus on the differences, but the similarities. 
And my parents reminded me and my siblings every day how blessed we were to live in America. Some look at our past as evidence that America's founding principles are bad. They say the promise of freedom is just made up. Some think our ideas are not just wrong, but racist and evil. Nothing could be further from the truth. I have seen evil. In China, they commit genocide. In Iran, they murder their own people for challenging the government. And when a woman tells you about watching soldiers throw her baby into a fire, it puts things in perspective. Here in uh, part two, she talks about her work. What, what's the matter, Lou? What? I what? just want to just announce what is the whole I know, the LeBron music, James dram- decision music. Dramatic, about. I know. Way it's too much. Decision, it makes me not and, and she's got like no chance. I mean, I'm going to talk to Brian Kilmeade coming up in about 30 minutes. And I understand this is our Super Bowl this year. All these people are going to jump in. Nikki yesterday, maybe DeSantis in May, Tim Scott, all these folks. They've got no chance. Let's stop. It's a two-man race. It's either Donnie or Ronnie. That's it. Here, Nikki goes on to brag about her work in South Carolina. Cut number 11. Even on our worst day, we are blessed to live in America. I was born and raised in South Carolina, so I have seen the very best of our country. People here threw out the old, tired political establishment and demanded accountability for their tax dollars. Industry reports called us the beast of the Southeast, which I love. People came by the thousands for fresh starts. Moms and dads held their heads up high. Children learned that it was always a great day in South Carolina. It's a great day. It's a great day. A great day. A great day in South Carolina. We were strong. We were proud. And when evil did come. Police in South Carolina are looking for a gunman following a shooting at a church. Several victims, we don't know the uh, severity. We turned away from fear, toward God, and the values that still make our country the freest and greatest in the world. One more, part three of this Nikki Haley announcement. There's more? There's more. Well, that was a brutal day that Dylan Roof shooting at the church in uh, South Carolina. Here she talks about, doesn't put up with bullies. She's ready for the fight. One more, Nikki Haley, cut number 12. We must turn in that direction again. Republicans have lost the popular vote in seven out of the last eight presidential elections. That has to change. Joe Biden's record is abysmal, but that shouldn't come as a surprise. The Washington establishment has failed us over and over and over again. It's time for a new generation of leadership to rediscover fiscal responsibility, secure our border, and strengthen our country, our pride, and our purpose. (laughs) Some people look at America (laughs) and see vulnerability. This is ridiculous. The socialist left sees an opportunity to rewrite history. Mm -hmm. China and Russia are on the march. They all think we can be bullied, kicked around. You should know this about me. What's that? I don't put up with bullies. Oh. And when you kick back, it hurts them more if you're wearing heels. 
You do like that. I mean, as a as a woman, Jennifer Harrison, female running for president, kicking with heels. You're wearing heels today, by the way. I noticed that. Uh, you like that. But you're not a Nikki Haley fan, are you? Necessarily. I used to be. What happened? Um, you know, I agree with what Andrew Giuliani said yesterday. You know, when she left the White House, it it, it left some questions. Well, are you a Trump supporter? I, I support Donald Trump's policies. Okay. Because uh, part of the reason why Andrew Giuliani is down on Nikki Haley, if not the majority of the reason, is that her and Donald Trump went bad. That's the truth. I mean, he can sugarcoat it and explain it 10 different ways, but he's forever loyal to Trump, and those two didn't like each other. So if you're not necessarily loyal to Trump and you like his policies, you probably shouldn't dislike Nikki Haley as much as Giuliani does. Well, I agree with him in the fact that it's not necessarily what she did or that they had a falling out, but the way that she did it and the timing of it. And she should have held on a little bit longer. All right, John Kennedy out of the great state of Louisiana. We love this guy. He spoke yesterday on the race, this presidential race. This was on Fox News. This is John Kennedy, number 13. I think competition makes all of us better. I think you'll see other people get in the race. But they need to talk straight up to the American people, uh, tell them what they believe, don't lie. Uh, if they've changed their mind on something, explain why they've changed their mind. But more important, tell us what they would propose in their first uh, 100 days or one year in office. Yep. And don't just complain. There he is, John Kennedy. So is George Santos your guy where you live? No, right? He's no. not your. No. Who's your guy? Garbarino. Oh, Garbarino. Did you vote for Garbarino? I did. You like him? Yes. We don't like him that much on this show. Well, really, Bernie didn't like him that much. And then uh, Phil doesn't like him. Peter King loves him. I know. I know. Peter King loves him. Well, I know he did all the commercials for Garbino on this station. And I love Peter King, but just because Peter King loves somebody doesn't mean that I have to love somebody. But Peter King also loves uh, Eric Adams, right? He does? And Donald Trump. No, he doesn't. Oh, no, no, yeah, no, he doesn't. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't, no, he's no. gone sideways on Trump. That's true, yeah. Him, yeah. And, uh, him and Bo Deedle. I was actually completely wrong. <laughs> the complete opposite of what he... You know. <laughs> but Nassau County, but you live in Suffolk County. Yes. Right, okay. It's Nassau County these days. I like, for the most part, who's won there. You like Bruce Blakeman? Yes. And Donnelly? Yes. Okay. Uh, anybody, how about Anthony D'Esposito? I'm not too familiar with him. Okay. So who are the people in charge in your county? So we have Nick Lalota, who is... He's good. Na- yes, he's... In- yeah. but Garber- he was very good on Cats at Night a couple of days ago. Yes, he, he's excellent. He's a very good speaker as well. I think that he's going to do great things for the 1st Congressional District. Uh, we have Ray Tierney as a Suffolk County I District love Ray Attorney. Tierney. He's amazing. He's doing yeah. an amazing job. Uh, we have Tony Palumbo, who is suing Andrea Stewart-Cousins. You were talking about that all morning. Uh, he's the senator in the 1st District. Jody Giglio, who's amazing. Uh, we have Dean Murray, who is a new senator. He He's really a go-getter. He's going to fight hard for us in Albany, so I'm really happy with who we have. God, you know every single person in your county? Yeah, I have their why? phone numbers. Why, why do you know that? What's the matter with you? <laughs> well, I worked hard on their campaigns. and, and You worked for all those people? Not worked for them, but I you know I helped with their campaigns. Well, did, and, didn't you run a bar, like in Shirley? And, I, like, for 13 years, we had a no, restaurant. No, but you reopened it a couple of months ago. Oh, yeah, well, that's actually closed because of a court dispute now. Oh, okay. I saw you out there, you know, making shots and, and stuff. And, no? <laughs> <laughs> My shot pouring days are over. It's all over? That's it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So for people that don't know your story, you've been on a couple of times with me. Most people do at this point. But you're a victim's rights advocate because many years ago your boyfriend was murdered. 
here in New York, and um, I don't believe, you, you believe at least, that justice was served. So now you've dedicated your life to folks who deal with tragedies like that every day. That's your life, basically. Right. Well, actually, justice wasn't served, so that's why I fight so hard. Um, he was murdered in New Jersey, but one of the men that were involved in his, and it, it was a double homicide, involved in his murder was out on parole in New York and was never even violated for crossing state lines, which is a clear parole violation, for being involved in an altercation that led to the death of two people, for being in a bar on a Friday night, never even violated. And uh, there were three brothers that were involved. Two of them got completely off in a plea deal, and one of them accepted five and a half years for the murder of Kevin and six and a half years for the murder of his friend. He was released in 2014. Wow. Uh, Here's my friend Lynn Hort. She says, Nikki Haley is an epping snake. She doesn't even have the support of the current governor of South Carolina, but running for president increases her market value, so she's got nothing to lose. You like that? Well, where has she been all of this time? Um, I don't know. Should I call her and ask her? Maybe Myrtle Beach golfing. I don't, what do you mean, where has she been? Nikki, you can call what has Nikki she been Haley. Doing? Of course I can. Call I can call her. anybody. I'm very famous. <laughs> I'm actually, I've gone 17 minutes, and the... Websites are going to say, oh, there's Sid again talking about his movies. All he does is talk about himself. Let's check. You want to bet? <laughs> that's, that, that's the new narrative for Sid Rosenberg. I can't even believe I'm in the same room with you. It's a big deal, right? I, yeah. I thought the new narrative is that you're, uh, what, what did the Daily News say, right wing, far right? Uh, right. Trump loves. Well, but by the way, that is more accurate. I mean, yeah, Curtis will come in and talk about Gemini Lounge. Certainly when I have a, a screening and I'm in a movie, I'm going to talk about it, just like how it's turned in and other great ho- radio hosts do. But certainly this show, 90% is not about me. I got five guests on every day. Gordon Chang today talking about Chinese balloons. He's on about three times a week. Peter King talking about Bo Deedle, Bill O'Reilly. We're not talking about me. So let's stop with the lies and this narrative that people try to pass. That's why I shut off all the buttons on social media. of this show is about local and national politics. If every now and then I had something about my life because I'm the host, get over it. What do you people want? How boring do you want radio to be? You've got 20 hours of the same story being covered every minute of the day on this station. 20 hours. So I'm sorry if, in fact, I've got a life outside of the station and politics, which, by the way, is pretty damn cool. I mean, I'm in page six today. Isn't that cool? Amazing. Right? I was so excited. I shared it everywhere. And you listen to the show every day. Do you feel like you're getting robbed of of news or opinions or local, national? Or do you feel like we cover everything? Everything. And you have to break it up. Of course. So if you don't like it, blow me. That's uh, that's my... Lou, what do you think about that? I think that's going to be the new tagline for the show. (laughs) Like, sit and friends in the morning. If you don't like it, blow me. On 77 yeah. WADs. I think it works. <laughs> right, write it down. Right I'm now, just going to yeah. do it live yeah. for a while. That's all. We'll come back. <laughs> all right, we got a, a great guest list coming up today. Once again, Brian Kilmeade does a great job after me, 10 a.m. every weekday morning. And, of course, Fox and Friends, One Nation, all on Fox News. He'll be here at 640. Curtis Sliwa, three times a week. He'll be here at 705. 740, Gordon Chang. He wrote a great column in today's New York Post about these Chinese balloons. 840 Peter King and maybe New York Post columnist Michael Goodwin in the 9 o'clock hour. Plus, 
Jennifer Harrison live in studio all morning long. Promises to be an epic Wednesday show on the number one rated Nielsen talk show in New York City and the self-proclaimed best talk show anywhere in America. That's me, that's us, sitting friends in the morning. Only right here on Talk Radio 77, WABC. If you had an accident, trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients, and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Pete Morgan, Mr. Peerless Boilers, and Anthony Barbarisi and others love the new slogan. They want it to be a T-shirt, actually, but just I don't think Margo would like that. <laughs> but it is funny, and that's how I feel. I mean, I, you know, kind of branded myself over the years as something much bigger than just a talk show host, which I am. And 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 if that annoys people and. They don't want to hear it, and they want me to just keep going over the same story over and over again. It's just not going to happen. You can get rid of me. I don't care. I'm not going to do it. I mean, I've had these discussions down in South Florida for years. I remember my program director coming to me and going, listen, you got to talk more about the Dolphins. I said, no. He said, well, that's what we hired you to do. And I said, no, you didn't. You hired me to be Sid, and I don't do that. And he said, well, could you help us out just a little? I said, no. I said, I'm going to do what I feel like I want to do that morning. And by the way, when the ratings go down, and I've got great ratings here, great. I blow away the rest of the field. Blow away the rest of the field. When the revenue goes down, when people start canceling at a big rate, then maybe, maybe we'll have that discussion. But until then, let me go back to the slogan. Exactly. So another huge story outside of Nikki Haley running for office yesterday, which we covered, and Eric Adams and all that stuff, is this shooter at Michigan State. It was a very sad story. And uh, three students are dead, five more are injured. And it turns out this Michigan State shooter was convicted back in 2019 on a gun charge. In fact, Lansing neighbors often heard gunshots coming from this guy's residence. Sounds like New York, right, Jen? Yep, pretty much. I mean, this is uh, nothing new. Gun charge, back out, 
goes out and kills somebody. And, of course, we know that Michigan has a Democrat governor. A lot of the towns in Michigan have Democrat mayors. But what do we hear right after one of these deadly, horrible shootings? What do we hear? What, what, is, the, what is the thing that Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, even Obama, what do they go to right away? Take the guns away. That's right. It's, it's about gun laws. Take the guns away. And listen, ideally, in a nice world, we can do that. We've taken thousands. This is true. Thousands of guns off the streets here in New York. Thousands. Derek Adams credit. Doesn't matter. There's millions and millions and millions of guns. The idea of taking guns off the streets, while beautiful, I love it, is so unrealistic, I won't even talk about it. So the question becomes, how do we keep the bad guys from getting these guns? Here's how you do it. You keep the bad guys in prison so they can't go out there and buy guns and hurt more people. Not only are you a movie star, you're a genius. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, but on a serious note, thank you for that. But it's just common sense. You're not going to take all the guns off the streets. You're not going to come close. So let's deal with the bad people, right? Yeah. I mean, this guy, you know, a Soros-backed prosecutor actually dismissed his charges. So this guy never should have been on the streets. He never should have been free to commit this horrific act. In the first place. Mm -hmm. So there's a side story to this, which is fascinating. One of the students, you know this, Jen Harrison, who survived the Michigan State shooting also was in Sandy Hook. Unbelievable. Is that unbelievable? If you haven't heard this part of the story, I got chills listening this morning. This is our guy, Bob Brown. He does the news in the afternoon. This is the early news Bob Brown report talking about this young lady, Jackie Matthews Lewis, cut number 14. Police are saying the Michigan State University shooter had a note in his pocket threatening two New Jersey public schools. Ewing Township Police Chief Al Rhodes says the school district closed all of its schools out of an abundance of caution. I'm not going to give out specifics as to what the threat was, but it was a threat of violence. The 43-year-old Michigan school shooter attended Ewing schools from kindergarten through 12th grade but hasn't lived in the area for years. Ewing schools will resume classes today. Meantime, a Michigan State University student who was on campus during the deadly shooting is also a survivor of the Sandy Hook Massacre. Wow. 21-year-old Jacqueline Matthews had grown up in Newtown, Connecticut. She was in sixth grade when the shooting happened in December 2012. I'm Bob Brown for the 77 WABC Early News. Jacqueline Matthews was in the sixth grade, survived Sandy Hook. Now she survives Michigan State. And uh, she talked about this yesterday, I guess, on a TikTok video. Here she is, Jackie Matthews Lewis, cut number 15. So the reason I'm making this video right now is because it is almost 1 a.m. and I am currently directly across the street from where the shootings at Michigan State occurred. I am 21 years old and this is the second mass shooting that I have now lived through. 10 years and two months ago, I survived the Sandy Hook shooting. And when I was crouched in the corner in school in Newtown, Connecticut on 12, 14, 12, I was hunched in the corner with my classmates for so long that I actually got a PTSD fracture in my L4 and L5 in my right lower back. The fact that this is the second mass shooting that I have now lived through is incomprehensible. My heart goes out to all the families and the friends of the victims of this Michigan State shooting, but we can no longer just provide love and prayers. It needs to be legislation, it needs to be action. It's not okay. We can no longer allow this to happen. We can no longer be complacent. I'll forever be Sandy Hook strong and forever be Spartan strong. 
Wow. Uh, Jennifer Harrison, your thoughts on Jackie Matthews? She's right. It's not okay. None of this is okay. And it, it's not okay that my 11-year-old son heard gunshots across the street from, street from my house. It's not okay that Lee Zeldin's daughters had to live through what they lived through. But, and, and she's right. We, you know, we have to take action. But is it more legislation? Or what about enforcing the legislation? These people should not be on the streets. This guy never should have been free to do this. I think that's the point right there that she should have said. Easy to talk about legislation, stricter gun laws. We've been over this a thousand times. The cities with the strictest gun laws are the ones with the most shootings. New York, Chicago, these Democrat cities have very strict gun laws. And the numbers are up and they get the most shootings. So it goes above and beyond, to your point, Jennifer, the legislation, it's about keeping the bad guys off the streets and keeping them in jail. That's simple. Traffic is uh, coming up next, plus a Brian Kilmeade conversation. But it is time now. It's Wednesday for the weekly Tunnel to Towers update. Here's my good friend, Frank Siller. Morning, Sid. We know February is the month that we celebrate all things love. Yesterday, on Valentine's Day, we celebrated an everlasting love. Love like our home recipient, Jamie Lynn Spinella, has for her fallen hero husband, firefighter and paramedic Jeffrey Rizzo. Jamie Lynn and her son lost Jeff when he made the ultimate sacrifice in the line of duty. But because of the generous listeners of 77 WABC and our supporters across the country, we've been able to say thank you with more than mere words. We helped Jeff's family when they needed it most. Jamie and their son now can stay in their home mortgage-free without worry. Thanks to you all. For just $11 a month, this amazing audience can provide hope and even more families that made the ultimate sacrifice for you and I. It really is heartwarming to see something like this for such a wonderful family. I agree. So let's show our military first responders how much we appreciate and love them this month by getting even more people to join us on this mission. Please visit T2T.org to help Talk Radio 77 WABC. Well, as you know, every weekday morning right after me at 10 o'clock, Mr. Fox and Friends, Mr. One Nation on Fox News, Brian Kilmeade takes over, does a tremendous job. He's got a great show. Great show, great guests, opinionated, does everything like I do, does the politics, does the sports. <laughs> You know, basically, Not as is, sexy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you I are, can't act. You're, well, you are very sexy. I don't know about the acting, but I did see you quite a bit <laughs> live in Arizona this weekend, standing around these NFL players and celebrities, and you looked very, very sexy, Brian. So, with that, Brian Kilmeade, the weekend, <laughs> the Super Bowl, one of the greatest games ever. Patrick Mahomes, now for sure, for sure, if there was any doubt before, one of the all-time greats, Andy Reid as well. The um, the halftime show with Rihanna was brutal, not good, not bad, brutal. But you were there live. Brian Kilmeade's thoughts on Super Bowl 57. I love the way you describe me. I went to the Super Bowl and I stood around athletes. Wow, <laughs> you really paint a great picture. Yeah, I really train well. Hi, I'd like to stand among athletes, please. I'll be the guy with the, out the eye black. Come on, what about work in the game? Can you introduce me? The guy that worked, worked the game got some interviews. Um, so, okay, I'm, I'm over that personal attack. But uh, a couple of things. Uh, the Rihanna thing on the platform, I didn't see the harness. So I'm saying to myself, I cannot believe what I'm seeing now. I mean, the Wallenders wouldn't have done that. Uh, so that, that was, was pretty wild. That was good, yeah. But, and then I'm just saying to myself, I thought there was a delay. 
because the lip syncing. I just said, you know, I'm, I'm watching the game. I'm seeing the monitors, watching the game. I'm, I'm in the stadium, obviously. And I'm going, is she even trying? You know, or, you know, sometimes they do, do double tracks where the, you are the backup singer. I know McCartney does that all the time. And and I'm thinking to myself, this is unbelievable. At one point, lip syncing, she dropped the mic. I watched it back. She even put the microphone down yep. and she's still singing. She yep. put the microphone down and she's still singing. <laughs> so it's not really my music. But it was a big hit there, and like people seemed to like it. Uh, the more I got away from the stadium and I started talking to people the next day, like I'd never get to see the commercials, people were saying they liked her, thought she was fine, but what is there to like? I mean, she didn't really dance much. She's, like, pregnant, uh, which I'm happy for her. And she lip-syncs songs she wrote years ago. Right, right. So, it was brutal. I, I want to hear country music. I, I can we just hear? And I, you know, I interviewed Lee Bryce, and he's he's telling me, yeah, we can't figure it out. You know, we we haven't there hasn't been country music there in ten years, twelve years, and there won't be because that's not what uh, Jay Z likes. And don't forget, Jay Z <laughs> is the guy in charge. So so last year we had Snoop Dogg and Eminem and Dr. Dre. This year Rihanna. But you're right. How nice would it be to have Luke Bryan or Luke Combs or Jason Aldean, one of those guys? They would set the place on fire. They would, because country is blended. I mean, when we were growing up, there was Southern Rock. And, you know, that, I loved it. You know, Marshall Tucker and those bands. But, you know, then when you heard country and Willie Nelson, I was, I was, I was like, ah, that's not my thing. But there's, what they're doing now with new country is what, you know, that's the only thing I can really listen to. I mean, there's no WLIR with the new music. And PLJ used to be like, new rock, and there's no more rock and roll. Um so basically, I'm on. I'm thinking listening to New Country or or Y2K on on Sirius, or I'm pretty much humming to myself. I agree, and those guys really are the great Americans. They just are. That's that's a perception people get. They love this country. They love the cops. And maybe again, this is not fair to a lot of performers, but the perception is the other guys that do the halftime show the last couple of years, they don't. And it'll be nice to see somebody up there who really loves this country, loves the game, loves the weekend. So, talking about loving this country, Nikki Haley, officially Brian Kilmeade, jumped in yesterday. No surprise. We thought it would be today, the 15th. She jumps in on Valentine's Day, the 14th. I haven't heard one person yet that says to me they take her very seriously as a candidate and she could actually win. What are your thoughts on Nikki Haley? Very competent. You can't dismiss her. Uh, for example, if Governor Hutchinson of Arkansas gets in, he might be a nice guy, but he's got zero charisma. Uh, you know, his record in Arkansas, they still have the they're ranked near the last in education. He's got no shot. But if you look at Nikki Haley, number one, extremely confident, tough, got the international experience, was a real strong governor in uh, South Carolina, took down the Confederate flag there. Uh, when she had to, and people don't like this, but I think it's a plus. She combined with Barack Obama to not condemn anybody after that horrific church shooting. And I thought she was really good and tough on China and North Korea and reported directly to Trump. Trump said goodbye to her in the Oval Office, so he'll go after her now, no doubt about it. And she's going to be formidable. She's going to know the issue. She doesn't need notes. So... You can't, and she's got, she's also as a female with a husband in the military, uh, with of Indian descent, uh, very red, white, and blue. I, I, I think she's going to be tough to dismiss. 
I do think she's going to be tough to dismiss. She has a couple of good debates and exchanges with press that might be hostile to her, like Whoopi Goldberg gave her a gift going after her yesterday, and she was able to go become a national story. Um, I, I can't dismiss her, Sid. She's got yeah. the resume. I, I see the polls, too, single digits. I got it. Yeah. And I, I saw Tim Scott of the Super Bowl. I think this guy's a couple of weeks away from announcing. He's such a great man. I almost think he's too good for politics. And I, I fear when people start attacking him like they went after Ben Carson, you know, you know, Trump tried to take him apart and then understood what a great person he is, a brain surgeon, unbelievable story. I, I almost feel like Tim Scott's too good a person to be uh, to go for president yeah. how, as personal it's going to get. But I but DeSantis got well, I, I think someone told me up to, up to. Two hundred million dollars. Yeah, see, like that's the, the point. Guys. That's the point. You can mention Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, Hutchinson, Mike Pompeo. I don't care who you mention. The truth is, this is not a debate. Yeah. It's a two-man race. It's Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. Nobody else has a shot. Has a shot. So what about Yunkin? Uh, not even Yunkin has no shot. So. I can't get excited. Listen, Nikki Haley may be the best person in the world. Tim Scott, like you said, may be the greatest human being God ever created. The truth is, this is a two-man race, and nobody else has a shot, no matter what. Hmm. Uh, I think it's too early. I think it's spring training. I think it's spring training. Uh, listen, I, I understand. I, I listen, I, I understand it's our job to get people excited. This is our Super Bowl. No, I'm so, being honest. Yeah, no, 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 you're not. You, 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 come on, Nikki Haley, Tim <laughs> Scott against Donald Trump? Or Ron DeSantis? Come on. Listen to me. The, the America got their wake-up call. Republicans got a wake-up call. You know what it was? Don't tell me the best candidate. Tell me the candidate that can win the general. They're tired of losing. And I think people have a practical sense to the nomination that are going to give people, like I mentioned, a second and third look. And then you work it out. I mean, you look at, you know, what do the Mets spend? $275 million on their payroll? They're paying $100 million in, in luxury tax? They go, they're going to win the East. Well, when they start playing games, then you tell me. Tell me where we are in July. And they better have a 15-game lead to, to lock up in September. I think it's the same thing. This is why we like politics. It's very much like sports, Sid. Because you look at the lineups. How do they play against each other? How do they match up? And the most money doesn't win. Jeb had the most money. Trump wins. You know, we we watch uh, all these other candidates. Biden emerges because the Democrats say he's got the only hope in the general. He was clearly not the best candidate, but they were smart because they thought that this guy would have the best hope in the general. And they were right because Bernie couldn't. You know, Bernie had all the momentum and he's got all the passion, but nobody wants to elect a socialist. They would have lost. And they all stepped aside. Republicans are not the step aside type, but I just think you have to be open to knowing that there's no script to what's next. All right, we will see. It will be fun and exciting early. But you, you uh, don't believe me. No, of okay. course not. I mean, to, to me, I, look, we, yeah. uh, you, you make a good point about the Mets. They may not win the World Series, but the Marlins won't compete. And Nikki Haley and Tim Scott are the Marlins. Uh, right now, you got two great teams, the Braves and the Mets. That's DeSantis and Trump. These other candidates, while great people and solid politicians, they can't compete. But we'll see. Look, you mentioned Biden, the New York Post again today. Company paid James Biden for 2012 Saudi negotiations. Quote, they dare not stiff Veep's kin 
a $140 million deal with the Saudis that James Biden put together. So we've got all this stuff out there, thanks to Miranda Devine and Carlson Bobulinski about Hunter Biden. Now, James Biden is on the cover of the New York Post, a hundred-plus million-dollar deal with the Saudis. Is there any question at this point how corrupt the Biden family is, led by the president himself? He's not even a lawyer, and he's negotiating deals to get money back for a law, law firm. And he goes, no doubt about it, the Biden name helped. James Biden, it's all over that laptop. Uh, I, I hear you. I'm going to do it today. It's going to be one of my big three, no doubt about it. We had people commenting last night. But what they got to do in these hearings, Sid, they got to get direct and concise. Do you see how they're all over the place? The Democrats, this guy Goldman in New York, comes in and starts sidetracking them on, on different things with his laptop. And this goes off on, they haven't really re- reviewed correctly the twitter files they're not experts at it so they're getting beat on the counter arguments they got to thoroughly prepare you got to go james biden explain this i want to see a big board behind explain this explain this explain this and then you get in there and you make democrats go to bat how is this okay does this have anything to do with the fact that our saudi relationships is in the toilet and we don't seem to have any power to control them is this has anything to do with how china and saudi arabia are now meeting up and biden doesn't seem to be interested or concerned that that the number one oil producer might be going directly to China. And I think these are all legitimate issues. The James Biden revelation, people check it out, cover the New York Post today, widely discussed yesterday, and the Daily Mail has it too. So uh, now it's up to James Comer to go out there and be clear. Jordan and Comer have to be clear and don't confuse people that don't live this every day with us. One more. We'll go locally here. The New York Post just yesterday had some statistics, crime statistics. Brian Kilmeade on the cover. Not very favorable for my friend, the mayor, Eric Adams. Just about every category is up and up pretty significantly. But there was a huge, huge arrest yesterday in New York City. They arrested 23 gang members after a mom was shot and killed by a stray bullet. So that was nice to see. But having a more and more difficulty these days, Brian, defending my friend, even though, again, I think he wants to fix it. His heart is in the right place. The numbers don't indicate that he really is. Your thoughts on the city? Well, yeah, the shootings is the only thing that's down. Uh, So everything else is up. You know, I was talking to a lot of people, uh, and they say that we're deceived by the amount of people in the city. These aren't workers. Most people, I think that commercial real estate, there's so many empty offices because people are either moved out or working from home, and that ripples. That means you don't take the subway, you don't take the buses, and the number one reason is safety. If So if you tell your boss, you're 28 years old, you're young, your young father or mother, I don't feel safe getting into the city. Are you going to fire me for that? And most are saying, I don't want the headache, work from home, even if they want you to come in. And when you see those stats, you have a great excuse. Now, he said, get out of your pajamas and come to work. Okay, I'll get out of my pajamas when you, get, when you put a cop on the subway so I'm not getting beat up, you know, so when I'm not getting tossed on the tracks. When the stats start going down and I'm not going to be mugged and I can't file a police report because the cops tell me they're not going to be able to do anything, uh, that is a problem. And what I would do if I was Adams, and by the way, I like a guy that hustles. I'm, I'm going to give him fundamentally, at least he doesn't duck. At least he's visible and, you know, he cares. And you know him personally. I'm, I see him from afar. But he's not making a dent because there is no 
there is no ramifications for criminals from shoplifting on down. Yeah, but you know what? And you're right about that. But, but bail thing. I know the bail thing. You, you got to go to Albany. I mean, you know, somebody is, is suing Stuart Cousins because they won't confirm LaSalle. And she goes, OK, you can sue me, but the rules allow me to do whatever I want to do. I mean, the arrogance that comes from Carl Heasty, Brian Kilmeade and Andrea Stewart Cousins above and beyond even the mayor, Kathy Hochul, is unbelievable. So I'm not sure Eric Adams can change it no matter how hard he tries. True. So go down swinging. Don't go down ignoring. And I think if, when you go to have lunch with him or, uh, I don't know, you guys go vacation together. Yes. yes uh, no. You got to bring this up. <laughs> and, and you got to just say, listen, don't fall in the sword for your party. Mayors aren't party oriented. They're success oriented. This all will come back to you. Let them label whatever you want, moderate, too, uh, too conservative, too liberal, whatever it is. When you start getting things done, you could emerge as the number one Democrat in the country. Like Rudy was briefly that. Uh, even though they're like, oh, he's too moderate, did too many deals with Democrats. No, he's effective. We are in an era of who's effective, not who's the most liberal and conservative. I mean, literally, if I was to give him a speech, he has a, a chance. The guy, if he could turn around New York City, he could be president. There is no Democratic talent bench. Pete judge is the worst. The smartest <laughs> Oxford guy, whatever veteran you want, yeah. the worst. He was supposed to be the future. Eric Adams turns around New York City, embarrasses the other cities to follow his pattern, and could be the number one Democrat when Joe Biden's done. And we all think he's done already, but let's say he's not. That, that, that's what you should tell him. And until he changes things in Albany, nothing's going to happen. And he'll be the good guy and put so much pressure on these guys. I want to see a board behind him. Top seven Democrats keeping bail reform from happening. There you go. I love that. Name and shame. Call them out, and uh, then you may get results. As always, Brian Kilmeade, that's a great conversation. You really were great last week. I loved your stuff with Rob Gronkowski. That was really good. And all the uh, box stuff you did with the Super Bowl, your show at 10 a.m. every day is great. Box and friends, great. One Nation, great. You're the man. I love you. Thanks for hopping on today. Thanks, Sid. Totally appreciate it. We'll not drop the ball when you pass it to me. Thank you. <laughs> you have not yet. There he is, folks. Coming up right after me, 10 o'clock each and every weekday morning here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. My man, the great Brian Kilmeade. Big show is still to come your way on a Wednesday morning. Curtis Lee was going to stop by. We're going to talk to Peter King later on this morning. Jennifer Harrison is in studio. we got a lot more to do. It's the Wednesday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning. Only right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. This 
is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. speak in the movie Goodfellas, Eric Clapton, Layla, 706 on your hump day Wednesday morning as we start hour number two of Sitting Friends in the Morning, Jennifer Harrison, who was great in the first hour, live in studio today. And of course, you know that three times a week on this show, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, the great Curtis Sliwa, who's really terrific, 12 to 1 every weekday afternoon, and of course, owns the weekends here. He comes in. Now, Monday he wasn't here because cats booted him to celebrate Lincoln's birthday. Wait, wait, wait. wait, Which which cats? Uh, Not yours. Not the feral cat, John Katz and No, no, then there's the other cats that you were talking about with Brian Kilmeade. <laughs> we'll get oh, to that. busting 24 cribs, get out of here. So Curtis was here yesterday instead with Andrew Giuliani, and he talked about being with me and Danielle and a host of others and Gabriel Monday night at the screening of Gemini Lounge. And yes, I'm talking about myself and the movie not many radio hosts have the opportunity to be in a big major motion picture. So we're going to, for one second, folks, I'm sorry, one second, I'm going to put down what I did for a full hour with Jennifer, which is Eric Adams, Kathy Hochul, Joe Biden, all that. That's why I get ratings. That's how it works. Explain that to the folks, Curtis, why people like me get ratings and everybody else basically doesn't. Because you personalize it. You, uh, you have an up-close and personal relationship, not only with everything you've done, good, bad, and ugly, and you reveal that to your audience, but you talk about real people, real issues, and you don't just come in here. And remember how we used to have Silly Putty, and we would put the Silly Putty on the, on the <laughs> cartoons, and we would take an image of it? That's what the rest of talk radio sounds like. If I heard it at 9 o'clock, I'll hear it at 10 o'clock, I'll hear it at 11 o'clock. They basically repurpose the shows. They're not interesting. They don't give you anything new. You're going to have Gordon Chang on here. He's going to say it's an act of war. It's an act of war. Yeah, my do not my. You wanted us to go to a freaking war for a balloon, and now the rest of these freaking <laughs> balloons, we don't, they probably are balloons. <laughs> you know, I mean, Gordon Chang was on 50,852 times saying it's an act of war. It's an act of war. Hey, Gordon, it's a freaking balloon. Yeah, well, it is an act of war. But we'll get to Gordon Chang coming up at uh, 7.40. But you see, the rest of our, our, our hosts and hostess here will listen to Sit in the Morning like we all do. Gordon Chang, that's right. Book him. Book him, Daniel. Book him. It's like, you think he could get a little original? <laughs> well, that's why I play China Girl by David Bowie when he comes on just to kind of split up the conversation. Of course, of course, of course. But no, let's get back to real life. And oh boy, I got a beef to pick, but I'll hold off uh, momentarily. So you have two famous lounges in organized crime. Gemini Lounge. Brooklyn. Canarsie. Bamboo Lounge, right, from Goodfellas. Everybody thinks, like Botito, oh, it's Howard Beach, it was Ozone Park. Bullfeathers, Canarsie, Avenue N, and Rockaway Parkway, because all the tough guys were in Canarsie. How far, because uh, Anthony Caron talks uh, to me about this uh, bamboo place, how far was that from the Gemini Lounge? 
Gemini Lounge, it's a, uh, you're talking about uh, a good uh, mile, about a mile away. So uh, they were very, I think very close. Two miles, two so they miles. were very close. Well, actually, Canarsie High School is closest to the Bamboo Lounge where there were race riots in 1969. By the way, didn't see Bo Deedle there. And then <laughs> South Shore where there were race riots between 72 73. It had just opened up. Second largest high school in the country. Yes. 6,000 guys and gals. Half of them from Brownsville, half of them from Canarsie, Italians versus blacks, battles in the streets. And that's how organized crime got a lot of ah, their young yes. guys yes. By the way, from seeing how they handled themselves in the, in the uh, battles against the blacks who were coming in from Brownsville. I used to buy uh, drugs in the parking lot at uh, the Burger King. Right across the street by the mobile South station. Shore High School. Yeah. By the mobile station. <laughs> yeah. That's where Chris Rosenberg got his start. Bo no. Dido, who didn't know anything about that because he was assigned to the 75th precinct in East New York and stayed out of Canarsie. Like his hero, John Gotti Sr., who was afraid to come after Roy DeMeo and his killing crew of Joey Test and Anthony Sento. Oh, I'm not going into Canarsie. Right so you're saying that Bo Dido, who just yesterday you said deserves a nod... For yes. best supporting actor with me in Gemini Lounge. Absolutely. You, you, you get complimented Bo Deedle all morning yesterday. Now you're saying today that the hero cop Bo Deedle was afraid Wait of Roy DeMeo and his crew? Let me give you the Trinity, the Troika, the Trifecta. All right. Great cop, right? East New York, Palm Sunday Massacre. He solves that case while Benjamin Ward was out on a bender three days with some floozy outside of w, uh, uh, Washington, D.C. They couldn't find a police commissioner to catch uh, that's plus one. Plus two, he got the rapists who uh, just scarred up the nuns. Oh, in that East was Harlem. terrible. Terrible. Great job. Rape the nun and then like carved crosses oh, carved in her crosses. chest. Great yeah. job. That may, have been, that may have been the greatest arrest, Curtis, in the history of New York. And I've talked about that great. on and on and on. And then obviously he's made great appearances in a number of movies. This one, his best appearance yet because... He was playing an administrative cop, which is typically not what Bo Deedle does because he's the DT. He's the road cop. Here, he was wearing the white shirt. He was in command. Great job, along with Sid Rosenberg, who is Dracula. I'm going to tell you something about Dracula. I've been telling him all about Dracula, things that he didn't know. He's going to get a little embarrassed about. I had to reveal to him yesterday that Dracula, right, who was the bartender, who was the first cousin of Roy DeMeo, actually was a drag queen who put on, now get this, who puts on a wig, he's got mascara, six-inch stack heels, he's got the nylons on, the guys are sitting at the bar. Hey, Drac, where you going? Don't worry about it, I'll be right back. He walked a few blocks away. He robs a bank at gunpoint. No getaway car. He steals the car on the way out. High-speed chase with the cops. He's throwing off his lingerie, his panties, his nylons. He goes running down the block. The cops stop him at gunpoint, bring him to the 6-9 precinct, put him in a lineup, and then the bank manager comes in. That's the guy. And Dracula yells at him, what do you mean? I was dressed as a woman. How are you picking me? Because schmuck, putz, you still have your mascara and your rouge on. Oh and then they God. sent him away to that prison. That is a great scene. So in the end, when they killed the Mayo and all these other high-profile mobsters in Canarsie, Correct me if I'm wrong. You know the history by everybody. They never found Dracula, well, right? Well, let's see. They, they, they made it sound nice. Like Albert, the brother of yeah. Roy DeMeo. By the way, Dracula was a great cook. He cooked only for two guys. 
He cooked only for Roy DeMeo and his son, Albert. That's it. He That's made the, it. the best pasta. Is that right? Best pasta. And never threw in any human bones, you know, like said, hey, you can pick, your, uh, pick those things <laughs> out of your teeth with the human bones of what we just carved up. No, no. Great guy making pasta. So Albert, in his book, For the Sins of My Father, or something like that, suggests that when all the warrants were going down, the no-knock warrants, when they're dragging out Joey Tester, Anthony Centaur, they're looking for Roy DeMeo's already, like, uh, buried under the, the with the fishes, that all of a sudden Albert took him to an airport, Dracula, and Dracula just got on a plane, you and know, was it. like uh, Eichmann, and disappeared, you know, to Argentina or whatever. Right. Are you kidding? He's over there in the Fountain Avenue <laughs> dump, fertilizing the flowers there of what is now Shirley Chisholm State Park, the old dump there. I, I, and people believe that. Oh, he just, this guy who, who looked like Lurch, except he was great, is going to get on a plane, disappear, like where the hell did he go to disappear? <laughs> this guy would stand out amongst a thousand people. You know you know he's he's in the hefty trash bags oh, there. Oh, of you don't. course. He's so dead, it's oh, unbelievable. Albert, I, I drove him to JFK. <laughs> he had a one-way ticket. Where was he going? I have no idea. Get out of here. I know where he went. Straight to hell without an asbestos suit. Wow, look at you. So you came in this morning, and uh, one of the things you said to me was off the Brian Kilmeade conversation at 6.40. We were talking about uh, the mayor, Eric Adams, and at one point, I saw you listening to the conversation when I mentioned the crime statistics being up in yesterday's New York Post. And you gave a thumbs up to, well, I guess me and Brian, for mentioning that because anytime something goes wrong in the city and you can blame it on Eric Adams, for you, that's basically an orgasm. Maybe a double orgasm. No, I don't know. No, no, well, I no, get, no. The reason I gave the thumbs up was not that. Uh-uh. Brian Kilme, right, from Matza Pizza, a.k.a. Massapequa. Lots of mobsters out there. Oh, yes. Lots with their mansions. In fact, one was named Roy DeMeo. He lived in Massapequa? Massapequa Park. Wow. He, he's all paranoid because his adopted son, Chris Rosenberg, had off these Cubans, you know, in a drug deal gone awry, and he's being told by Castellano, you're going to whack your own, you know, adopted son. So all that was true in the movie that uh, Rosenberg, who is played brilliantly by Jake Cannavale, Bobby Cannavale's son. He really did whack those Cubans, and it was Paul Castellano eventually assassinated at the hands of John Gotti, who went and said to DeMeo, you gotta, gotta take care Chris. of this. You gotta yeah. kill Chris. So, he doesn't want to do it. He's hiding in his house in Massapequa Park. He thinks that one of these Cubans is outside in a car. A guy named Raguchi, who's going door-to-door as a salesman, trying to pay his way through college. So he's got Denome, and he's got another guy. And they chase this guy. Seven-mile chase, you know. I think it was on uh, the Grand Central Parkway. They pull him over to, uh, to the side, and here's DeMeo. Puts a bullet right in the back of his head, and it turns out, it's this college kid trying to put his way through school. And that was it. Was it wasn't the right guy? It was not the right and guy. And he felt badly about it, Roy DeMeo. But, even oh, him, his, who was an his, animal. His wife felt bad about it. His well, son, it Albert. too late for that. Oh, I know. But this guy, <laughs> the cocaine was eating up their brains. They were becoming delusional. Well, wait a second. But, but DeMeo didn't do the cocaine, oh, did he? Oh, come on. They I all know did Chris the Rosenberg did. Okay. okay. They all did the cocaine. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Paul Castellano, you guys are not going to be dealing in drugs. But meantime, give me my 10%. Right? Give me my and this myth, it was that organized crime that brought heroin into this country through the mills in Sicily and Marseille. Well, wasn't that the big difference between Castellano and Gotti? 
that Gotti was already doing some of that, and he knew the mob could make a ton of money dealing drugs, and he knew Castellano was too old school. Every, so one, of to get the, rid of every one of the Gottis, every one of Odito's friends. Oh, my very dear friend, John Gotti Sr., I heard him yesterday. Oh, oh yeah, and Scopa. I knew the two Scopa boys. Yeah, into extortion and racketeering. They weren't tough guys. These guys wouldn't come in at Canarsie where you had the Gambinos and Lucases. Come on, Sid. Why'd you let this guy demean me? Why didn't you play what he said about me yesterday, right? Why'd you play what your friend Bo Dito said about me yesterday? All right, let's do it. Hey, Lou Rubino, do we have these cuts of my friend Bo Dito talking about Curtis Sliwa on yesterday's show? And then I'm sure Curtis will respond to some of these Bo Dito comments. Here's Bo Dito comment number one. I'm glad that my friend Curtis, man, he's everywhere. You sure he wasn't with Lincoln when he got white? I was the uh, detective, a homicide detective in Brooklyn. Uh, you know, you've got to remember, Roy DeMayo got, uh, got whacked in 1983. Boy, my man Curtis, he is around. i I got to take my hat off to him. If you have any stories are true, this guy is one remarkable guy. He, one remarkable he's a modern-day Forrest Gump. <laughs> yeah. What was that, Forrest Gump? Well, he was everywhere. You I were mean, piling on I, that Well, shit. I did kind of pile on, And by yes. the way, after I gave him such platitudes, after I nominated him for Supporting Actor Award in the upcoming uh, Academy Awards in March, no. and look at how he dispatched Well, he wasn't done. There's still one more, by oh, the way. this was the worst. This was the worst. <laughs> Here is Bo Deedle from yesterday's show, cut number two, talking about Curtis Sliwa. Because I did... Grow up in Ozone Park. I did grow up with Johnny Gotti Sr. and Ralphie and Joey Scopo. I mean, this is not make-believe stuff. So I've done that. And I have some of my best friends, and I'll say it very, very candidly, some of my best friends are alleged organized crime figures, which alleged, I use the word alleged, because the majority of organized crime, to be very honest, has been defunct. Yeah, meantime, he's disparaging me. He's probably getting cred, you know. <laughs> what is that place he goes to? Ragu's Rayo's, there. Rayo's, yes. Rayo's, yeah, yeah, where they serve you Chef Boyardee out of a can <laughs> and charge oh, you a I big for it. Yeah, oh, it's the worst food. <laughs> uh, uh, wannabe mobsters who are out of central oh, casting. You God, look at these God. guys. Any moment they're going to have a heart attack, you know, clogging <laughs> of the arteries. And here's Bo. He's holding counsel there. What you doing in Canarsie, Bo? How come he never came to Canarsie? <laughs> Avenue L, Lucchese. He's on one side, Gambino's on the other side. Sliwa was there battling both of them. And those who survived will tell you, that guy Sliwa was totally psycho. By the way, uh, Bo Deedle is actually playing Lucchese in Godfather of Harlem. Did you know that? He's actually playing Tommy Lucchese. I'm not watching it. Why I'm not? sorry, I'm boycotting it after what he said yesterday. He, oh, my fr my friend growing up, John Gotti Sr., right? The man who ordered me whacked twice, right? And well, well, Bo, Bo put up $10,000 reward. What did he put up a reward? He knew who wanted to whack me and who tried to whack me. He should have just gone to the feds and said, you know, I know who, who tried to whack Sliwa. I know that. Well, let me give you their names. I'll write it here on the napkin for you. Huh? Oh, boy. Well, well, come on, Sid. I want an apology from Bo. After I gave him such a stellar rating for his performance in... Uh, Bamboo Lounge. Oh, that's right, Bamboo Lounge. That wasn't in Ozone Park and Howard Beach like it was in the movie, Goodfellas. They were not the toughest of the tough. The toughest of the tough were in Canarsie. Wow. And this is after you guys had some difficulties when Bo ran for mayor. 
uh, which I wish he would have won. Obviously, he lost to Bill de Blasio. You guys both have that in common. He lost to Bill de Blasio. Let me tell you, you something about Eric your Adams. Hold on a second. No, Let me tell on, you something on. about slow your down, friend Bo. Slow down, yep. Uh, there was only one guy he beat out of like seven guys running for mayor, and it's a guy who hijacked a plane to Cuba. Is that right? That's right. That was the only guy he beat. Your friend Bo Dito, right? I don't want to hear the name any longer. He oh. disparaged me on your airwaves, and you called me Forrest Gump. I did call you Forrest Gump, yes. You, it's like you were off the ropes. It's like they were in the middle of a WWE match, and here comes Sid Rosenberg on the top of the ropes. Boom! And he gives me a rock hammer. Well, you know, sitting right next to me yesterday was another guy who could have easily defended you, Andrew Giuliani. He never cracked the mic. That traditor, let me tell you something. And ever since he said Mike Trout was a better ball player than Joe DiMaggio. And I went to his father and I said, how are you going to discipline your son, Rudy? Michael Baricic. He goes, well, you know, my son's entitled to his point of view. Disparage the Yankee Clipper, Joe DiMaggio. No, no, no. Rudy's my enemy, too. They're all your friends, Sid Rosenberg. They had a Hollywood square put up by John Katzmatidis in the New York Post. Full page color. They had me in the middle. I'm the fiend, I'm the foe, and I'm no Paul Lynn. A drunken, angry gay guy. I know what you meant by that shit, and I'll never forgive you. I'm Forrest Gump, huh? I'm Forrest Gump. Hey, Bo Dito out there. I never saw you in Canarsie. Never saw you on Flatlands. Never saw you on Avenue L. Never saw you in a Bamboo Lounge. Never saw you in a Gemini Lounge. Maybe you were hiding at the 75th Precinct. Oh, I'm not going to go over there and deal with Roy DeMeo and his crazies that Curtis knew. Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. On this Wednesday, as many of you know, I was at the Super Bowl, and Carrie Lake, who was recently defeated for the Arizona governor's job, attended as well. But she did not stand for the song Lift Every Voice and Sing. Written in 1900 by NAACP Chief James Weldon Johnson, the song is considered by some to be the Black National Anthem, but it has not been designated that. It's just a song. Cheryl Lee Ralph performed it about 25 minutes before kickoff, and I did stand. Most in the crowd were also up, but not all. There is no protocol to stand during the song. It's an individual decision, just like America the Beautiful, which was sung after Miss Ralph left the field. Carrie Lake and some other conservatives believe there should be only one national anthem and that the Lift Up song is divisive. They are, of course, entitled to that opinion and should not be defamed as racist as some progressives are doing. The usual vicious stuff is smeared all over the net. I see it this way. 70% of NFL players are African-American, so the song is a signal of respect for them. Easy one for me. Respect, empathy, and context are important in a civil society. Ten minutes before the game started, country singer Chris Stapleton sang a terrific rendition of the Star Spangled Banner. Everyone in the stadium stood. Respect for the country was on display. An important moment in a divided nation. That is the morning O'Reilly update. More analysis later on. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. 
So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Oh, it's on, baby. Curtis Sliwa and Bo Deedle. Bo being tomorrow. He's on twice a week, 7.40 Tuesdays, 9.05 live in studio on Thursdays. And Bo has some answers for Curtis. It be on. You know, this uh, this song, of course, Rocky. We've got Jen Harrison in studio. We'll get back to the uh, topics of the day. but So now, for me to go to the gym is a bit of a pain in the ass. Used to, uh, I was staying at a hotel for the last five weeks with Danielle and Gabe on 33rd and Park right next door to um, Wolfgang's. And I walked right across the street to 34th and uh, Lexington to my New York sports club. Now I'm in Battery Park. There is not one New York sports club in Battery Park. They have Equinox, but that's like $15,000. I was a member of Equinox. I stopped going. Well, you're a big movie star. You can't afford that yet? No, I can't afford it, but I won't pay it just on principle. I mean, you've got weights. What are you charging me all that money for? Am I getting a free massage? Am I getting a breakfast? Am I getting a free protein shake? I just won't do it. So now I have to walk, Jennifer, all the way through the Brookfield Mall, through the Oculus, all the way to Fulton Street to hop on the four train to go to 33rd Street and work out. Takes about 30 minutes, but it's worth it. I'd rather do that than give Equinox the money. So I'm working out yesterday, and I'm doing, um, what did I do yesterday? Chest. And that song came on. And I swear to God, I'm such a Brooklyn geek. I started adding weight to the bench because I felt like Rocky. <laughs> the song is going. I'm pumped up. I felt great. And about the second time I went to lift the uh, the bench, I felt this ping in my shoulder. Oh, no. And I've been in horrible pain. I'm old. I'm old. You know, I'm going to be 56. And who am I kidding? So I've been in pain now for the better part of 18 hours. And I blame it all on the Rocky theme. <laughs> if that song didn't come on, I would have kept the same weight. But as soon as... As that song came on, I was like, let's do this. Let's go, Creed. Let's go. <laughs> and now I'm injured. Uh, interesting Bill O'Reilly morning conversation there. Let me say this. If I was at this Super Bowl, and I've been to many of them, the Black National Anthem, sorry to my dear friend, Jania Butler, I'm not standing either. It, it's divisive. It's grotesque is what it is. Not the song, not the fact that African Americans have their own national anthem. God bless them. But you're right. We are one nation. Under God, that is the star-spangled banner. That is the national the national anthem, not the black anthem. I'm sick of it. So I actually disagree with Bill. Not only do I think they shouldn't defame these people, but Carrie Lake is a great American. I love her now more than ever. And if I was in that stadium, I would do the same. I guess so would you. I, uh, yes, definitely. I wouldn't stand. First of all, who knows that you even have to stand for it? It's, I don't like know. He said it's never. It's not a protocol. It's not. No. Lou, would you? Um, if it was a protocol to stand for the Black National Anthem, and you were in Arizona on Sunday, would you stand for that song? I'm gonna tell you something, Rosenberg. 
You wouldn't stand. In Canarsie, we never stand. <laughs> is it safe to come out from under the table? <laughs> Jennifer is just there now. Thank God she's alive. <laughs> if I have to come in there, we're all going to be standing. I almost called 911. You almost did. You got nervous. Yeah, Phil and I said, I hope Jennifer's okay. She no, she was not, scared to death. She's yeah. not experienced this before. <laughs> no, I'm from Shirley, so it's okay. okay right. Yeah. There's gunshots in our neighborhood, bro. Okay. Oh, Shirley well, Long Island well, is hey, a rough hood. Hey, okay. Uh, come on back now, in, Chris. Patchogue okay. is more like Manhasset, but Shirley's kind of rough. Uh, would you stamp the national anthem? It, okay. So for the black the... national anthem. I purposely would not stand because there's no reason to have that song when you've got the National Anthem, the Star Spangled Banner. I agree. So you wouldn't stand either? I, I agree. I don't get the purpose of the so two So what would you things. want? Would you stand? It's getting like... Uh, uh, no, I wouldn't stand. Thank no, you. I'd, I'd sit there and eat my popcorn. Right. I, well, no, you would drink your beer. You know, uh, I, I have, how, I have, how are we ever going to come together? No, we're not going to come the, together. If this keeps happening. Well, I made that point to Janae Butler a couple of weeks ago. On She was here on the first day of Black History Month. And I'm like, you can't have a month for black people. You want to celebrate in a day? That's great. Of course, African-American people are tremendous. Look what, uh, look what they've accomplished over the years. Vice president now, president a couple of years ago, all these tremendous athletes, entertainers. There's more work to do. There's not enough blacks in high-powered positions. I agree with that. I do. And I do believe racism is still out there, not in the numbers they want you to believe. it is. Right. But the idea you devote a month Where's the white Jewish month? It doesn't matter. All the time you have a black entertainment channel. Right. Where's wet? You have black awards shows. Right. Where's wet? The white entertainment television. We're going to put one together. That's what we're doing. But if we we did that, if we did wet, we'd be considered racist. So what? When was, you know, I watched uh, the Bill Cosby show for years. For years. When was ever a black person, a white person on the Bill Cosby show? Never. Nothing on Fat Albert either. No. Macedonia, Bill, would you stand if you were in Arizona for the Black National Anthem? Well, I should probably say I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of standing for any national anthem. Even America's? No. No. Yeah, I have a friend who purposely goes to the concession stands when the anthem's about to come on. He doesn't want to stand? He, no, he thinks it's ridiculous yeah. to have, uh, have the anthems. It's sports. Yeah. Leave yeah. everything else out I'm of it. Totally so with that. He gets up and he purposely, yeah. just so he doesn't sure. look like an idiot. He, he is like, an idiot. I don't. He's a moron. Okay, well, they're. The he's, an, art... he's an ungrateful, anti American moron. How does that make Because if they're going to play the song, listen, that's a different argument. If you don't believe the song should be played, that's right. That's fine. But if they're going to play the song, show respect. That's what I'm saying. Okay. So your friend's an idiot. He's an idiot. No. Get him on the phone right now. No, no, we have it, Gordon Chang on the phone. It's oh. an interesting argument. Like, maybe it's not the appropriate place That's to play a different it. argument. All Fine. Right. But no. if they're going to play the song, you show respect. So you can go to the concession stand and buy a beer because Pat Tillman is going to grab a gun and die lonely in a cave in Afghanistan. Your friends are putts. That doesn't mean he doesn't have respect for Pat Tillman. If he doesn't stand and walks away during I, the song. Hey, I think you should stand for the national anthem all the time. Yes. I agree uh. with that. And if you don't I, want I it do. at the sporting event, that's fine. I Make do. that argument. But if they're going to play it, you stand. I think the athletes should all stand. I think kneeling is is repulsive. It's look what treasonous. Drew, look what Drew Brees had to go through when he yeah. questioned it. I mean, he was a villain. I know. After after he donated so much money to Hurricane, you know. know, down in New Orleans and yeah. flood and but LeBron James and all those other athletes said he clearly doesn't get it. Still, <laughs> that's what they that's what they said. I know he, they did. Drew yeah. Brees. Yeah. 
Biggs doesn't get it. Yeah. After just saying, I question, I don't have respect for somebody who doesn't stand for the anthem. And that's the, there's the dichotomy. Then he had to country. apologize yeah. after that, which was stupid. Yeah, uh, why do you apologize? Don't apologize ever. Gordon Chang is, in fact, coming up next. I love Gordon Chang. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. <laughs> States and China. In today's New York Post, you can read, it was no mistake, Chinese balloons hinting to an attack. And there's nobody better. I say it every time. It's deserved when it comes to these conversations, whether it's Asia, Russia, anywhere around the world and their relations with the United States. Then my dear friend Gordon Chang, follow Gordon on Twitter. He's a great follow. Gordon G. Chang. Gordon G. Chang making his way back to sitting friends in the morning. My friend Gordon. Good morning, Gordon. How are you, pal? I'm fine, Sid, and thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for coming back. So I read your column in today's New York Post. It's great, and that seems to be what people are saying is that there is going to be an attack. China will attack Taiwan, maybe Japan, but certainly Taiwan, and they're trying to gather as much information as possible about us here because... As they know, because Biden keeps saying it, the dummy, if they do attack Taiwan, we're going to defend Taiwan. So they want to know how much firepower does the United States really have? That seems to be the sentiment of why balloons are popping up all over the country. You agree? I certainly agree. The balloon that entered American airspace on January 28th sailed over some of the most sensitive sites in the U.S. They're related to our nuclear deterrent. Um, you know, there's a Washington Post story that says that the military tracked this balloon from the get-go, from when it took off on Hainan Island. And that shows that the, we have great capabilities, but we don't have great Pentagon leadership because we allowed this balloon to fly over um, Maelstrom, Effie Warren, Minot, Offutt, and Whiteman Air Force bases. And those um, we just don't want the Chinese knowing about. You also say, though, in your column, which I found very, very interesting, that there's a possibility, I don't believe it, but it's certainly worth discussing, that Xi and these other Chinese leaders don't even know about this. This is basically the Chinese military sticking up their middle finger to the rest of the world. What are the odds that that may be the case? That's not the most probable option, but it's also uh, a substantial one that we've got to be concerned about. Matter of fact, um, CNN reported that the Biden administration believes that is, in fact, what happened, that Xi Jinping did not know about this balloon flight. Uh, if CNN reported it, then you know that's not the case. <laughs> okay, you got me, Sid. You got me. Now, I don't know. Who knows? But you know, the one we discussed at the start of this conversation seems to be the one that's more likely. And if that is the case, now four balloons, Gordon, popping up almost every day, we're shooting these things down. If that is the case, the attack that you've been talking about for a while now, to your credit, may be more imminent than you even thought. Yes. 
um, because of the surveilling of our nuclear deterrent. Um, and also, the most important thing is the boldness of this Chinese action to think that they could fly this huge craft over the U.S., over our sensitive sites, and that we wouldn't do anything about it. And that shows the mentality. Whether you know, There's a mentality in the Chinese military right now, and certainly Xi Jinping, who believes that the United States is finished, that they don't have to worry about us. And that means deterrence is broken down. This is something that the Chinese told us at that infamous meeting in Anchorage in March of 2021. They certainly repeated it after the catastrophic withdrawal from Afghanistan. This is baked into the Chinese political system that they are now capable of doing um, their historic goals as they see them, mm. which means invading all their neighbors. Wow. Gordon Chang, you know, my wife is about to run the marathon in Tokyo. She leaves on February 27th, two weeks from yesterday, her 36th marathon and the sixth and final one to get the Abbott Award. And she was telling me last week, she goes, wow, should I be nervous about the Chinese? I said, nah, they're going to attack anybody. It's going to be Taiwan, not Japan. But as it turns out, reading your comment this morning, her anxiety, her fear may not be all that off. Yeah. Um, a number of people say, and I think it's actually, and I actually subscribe to this, that uh, if there's going to be a problem, it probably will be with Japan, not with Taiwan, wow. for a number of reasons. I mean, the Chinese people believe that the people on Taiwan are Chinese. Now, the people in Taiwan don't. They think they're Taiwanese. But there is a belief among ordinary Chinese that, and it's in this phrase, quote, Chinese shouldn't kill Chinese. Chinese people don't think that about the Japanese, though. Now, I think your wife should go to Tokyo, run her marathon, not worry about it. But long term, I worry more about China on Japan rather than China on Taiwan or China on the Philippines or whatever, um, because there's just the historical animosity that the Communist Party has really um, reinforced with unrelenting propaganda. Is there a... I guess, uh, a rivalry, if you will, that equates to North and South Korea between China and Japan? Um, well, the, the South Koreans, as Koreans, um, you know, generally view Japan with more distrust than they do with the North Koreans. That's especially from the leftist progressives in South Korea. Fortunately, we have a conservative president in South Korea right now. He realizes that the threat is China and North Korea, not Japan. And I think that most Koreans, at least when you get them in a private room and they're not before a microphone, will tell you, yeah, um, you can't we can't defend South Korea unless Japan cooperates. And, and I think South Koreans know that. But there is that historical animosity that goes back to the time when Japan obliterated the Korean nation. That's the turn of the 19th into the 20th century. So, yes, that was a very brutal occupation. You know, all this talk about how the United States needs to really fight back with China. And then I see a story this morning on Fox Business, Gordon, that some Chinese billionaire just bought up like like acres and acres, I think $130 billion worth of acreage in the state of Texas doesn't sound to me like here in the United States we're doing much. If a Chinese billionaire can buy up all this acreage in Texas, what kind of message does that send? Yeah, it doesn't send a good one. And um, I don't know if that story you read was the one about the former Chinese military officer who bought acreage near Laughlin Air Force Base in southern Texas, where that's the main Air Force training base. 
Um, but clearly we have allowed the Chinese to buy up critical uh, ag and ranch land, and we should not allow that at all. Uh, and we should be getting the Chinese off our ag and, and ranch land because there have been too many suspicious activities that the Chinese have done. In Oklahoma, Chinese gangs have taken over um, a large part of it, and um, there's been gangland murders. There's been um, child trafficking, according to some. Uh, and clearly a lot of illegal marijuana grows. And, you know, as they say in Oklahoma, um, yeah, the Chinese are building fences on their property. Well, everybody in Oklahoma builds a fence, but people in Oklahoma build a fence to keep people out. The Chinese in Oklahoma, when they build fences, are building them to keep people in. Wow. Oh, my God. Here's a story to piggyback on the um the billionaire buying land in Texas. My co-host today, Jennifer Harrison, sent me this. FBI director, very concerned by Chinese, you ready for this? Police stations here in the U.S. Chinese police stations. There's one in New York City that spies on dissenters, and it's run by a shady charity on the IRS blacklist. Chinese police stations? What? Yeah, that's a that's a real what. Um this is bipartisan failure. Uh, the Chinese th- thought they could open up police stations around the world because countries, including the U.S., did nothing or virtually nothing about co- Chinese consular officials and Ministry of State security agents violating their sovereignties. We allowed that to happen in our country. So, of course, the Chinese said, well, you know, the, the Americans aren't doing anything about our clear violations of their sovereignty. Why don't we just open up a formal location? And so, really, that has been um, the big story. It's about us, because this is our country. We don't have to permit this. Our leaders have done that. The American people should be outraged at the Chinese, but we should be more angry at the presidents who allowed this to occur. Let's grade on the way out Gordon Chang, the president, Blinken, the uh, State Department, all these folks, on how they handled these balloons so far. Something tells me we're not done shooting down balloons, but... How have they handled the White House, Washington, D.C., this situation so far? Well, on the first balloon, um, the military gets about a a D for allowing it to happen. Biden gets uh, a D for what he did afterwards, which was to tell the Chinese that uh, the incursion was no big deal. And so, therefore, what he did was he gave them a big green light to do it again. On these other three objects that were shot down, we really don't know what's going on. But the administration is trying to downplay them. We heard that from John Kirby yesterday saying he didn't think they were from China. But, you know, the explanations he gave really weren't that good. I'm not saying they're from China, but I would like to see a more robust attitude on the part of Kirby because nobody has claimed these three objects that were shot down, which to me suggests they were not commercial. They were not from another nation. Um, They had obviously a bad intention. We need to know more about it, and we need an administration that will start defending us instead of start def- instead of defending the Chinese and perhaps the Russians. Folks, you need to read this column today in the New York Post. It's great. It was no mistake. Chinese balloons hinting to an attack, whether it's Taiwan, Japan, here, who knows? A brilliant column written by a brilliant man, my dear friend Gordon Chang. Follow Gordon Chang on Twitter, Gordon G. Chang. As always, Gordon, fascinating, great conversation. You're the best. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sid. I appreciate it. Me too. There he is, our friend Gordon Chang, and scary. Uh, I was watching you, Jennifer, during the conversation. You looked 
You looked almost shell-shocked, nervous. It's just every day is something different with this administration. You never know what's going to happen. And they planned this all at the Olympics that we should have boycotted. Yeah, you're right about that. We should have done that, too. 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222, about two hours in the books. Great 7 a.m. hour with Curtis Sliwa and Gordon Chang. Still to come, Congressman Peter King, maybe New York Post columnist Michael Goodwin. We've got the game coming up, Sid's take, and more of me, Sid Rosenberg, and Jennifer Harrison right here on the number one Nielsen-rated news talk show in New York City, Sid and Friends in the Morning, Talk Radio 77, WABC. Informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Hour number three on what is this now? Your Wednesday morning. We are back on the number one show in New York City. Sid and Friends in the morning. And, uh, you know, I just got an email from Spencer Ross's son. You know the great sports sports announcer Spencer Ross? I've worked with him. Yeah. Oh, you did? Where? F-A-N, the old F, F before Imus. Oh, was that right? Yeah, I worked. Okay. It was, you You don't even know the days before him. It was a year and a couple of months of craziness, too. Okay. He, uh, His son, Stephen, just sent me an email. It reads, I am Spencer Ross's son and can never get through to speak with you. I love your show possibly more than you do. Please allow me to engage on air the on-air dialogue with you will boost the ratings immeasurably, Stephen Ross. I don't even understand his sentence. What well, he, I guess he's you... trying to say if I put him on the air, well, our ratings will go through the roof. <laughs> I don't like... even know what he wants to talk about. I mean, that's more complicated than something Gordon Chang would say. <laughs> I don't know what the heck he just said. <laughs> I'd like to engage with the Chinese right now. But what's funny see... is he doesn't even intimate. What he wants to talk about. That, that's my point. Right, like, what are you going to talk about that's going to make the ratings what go is, through the roof? What does he do, too, right now? What is uh, Who, Stephen or Spencer? Yeah, well, I know what Spencer is. What does Spencer do? I, I don't I don't know. I was hoping he's still around. That's that Yeah, no, he's first... around. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's probably retired. Okay. He was up there, I think. He was. Yeah. No, he's retired. He's he was doing a... some Jet stuff, some Nick stuff. Good, great voice. So yes. I, I always yes. like Spencer. Yeah, no, so did I. Uh, talking about sports, the Red Sox 
Pitchers and catchers in camp today. The Yankees in camp tomorrow. That's got to excite you, Phil. Yes? Well, granted, I couldn't care less. Yeah. You don't seem to be uh, engaged in today's program. Why is that? I don't know. Uh, maybe you should answer that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess that is my response. Well, what know. is the problem? There's no problem. What were you saying to Lewis at the break about all the national anthems? I don't think you want to hear it. I think I do. I think you'd get angry. I'd get angry? I think so. I think he would understand, Phil. I think you might understand. That's not my nature to get angry. Do I have to get under the table again? You may have to. You're well, you you are between with us. Curtis and Jennifer <laughs> Harrison. What Just is it? Beware, Jennifer! <laughs> <laughs> what is it? What happened? What was the conversation? I, I, I think the, the more we talk about it, the more I'm kind of against standing for the national anthem. And uh, I, I, to add to it, I think we should get completely get rid of the... Uh, what is it called? The Pledge of Allegiance in school. Oh, boy. What? Yeah. <laughs> that part you didn't tell me, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> that part I would have said. What happened? What, what, what's going on? Well, he, makes, he makes a good point, Listen, though, about... Well, uh, first off, right, w- would you... Uh, I don't have the pa- nearly the passion I had before. I was act- I have, like, one spurt of passion a week, and it was, I just spent it. Yeah, it was off air. air um, but, all right, like, look at it, right? If, if you swapped out, if you have, like, a group of, like, like Chinese communist children... Standing every day, pointing in a single direction, uh, reciting the same thing. It, you, it's like propaganda. Yeah, I guess. Right? Like it, no, it, not if they were but, in China. Oh, if it's in China, then it's, it's propaganda. But if it's in America, it's patriotism. It's, you know, reciting. Wait, you're telling me the Chinese people were enthusiastic about... A song or something? No, not a song. Okay, say their that. song, the their, Chinese, their anthem, their, their anthem. Like you know, like all how how all the how all the people in North Korea like are forced to idolize Kim Jong Un. Right? Is that not like propagandizing their people? Well, if they're if they're forced to love a guy who's a dictator, an emperor, a murderer, I would say yes. I'm not sure I understand the comparison between. China and the United States. Do you, do you get this, Jennifer? I, I get his. I get his point. I'm not sure that I agree with it, but I I get the point. He, so like kind of like group thinking. Like so, they're they're communists for making their people do something, but we're not communists for making our people stand for the pledge. Is that I, what you're yeah, kind of. I just I just don't agree with like having everyone to be forced to to idolize this thing. But anyway, what do you mean idolize? I mean, all you're doing is paying respect. I think idolize. Is a stretch. Uh, okay, th- this is the point, Phil. You didn't make this point. This no, no. Point. I just, I'm just kind of against national pride altogether. You're I, against national I, pride. I, I don't, I don't understand it at all. You don't oh, get it. Okay, no. well, you're, you're American, not by choice. Right. That's you, why you should be proud of things that you, you have choices. You, in. the you, dice rolled and you just happened to be born right. here. That's right. You were I've, just, you were born. You didn't even have a choice in being Sid Rose. So, so wait, so I shouldn't be proud of my Jewish heritage? No, but it's well, Judaism is a kind of a choice. It didn't. You, you, it was a roll of the dice. Yeah. You were just born. That's true, into, right? You yeah. didn't like I'm not it. sitting. I'm not sitting here like, oh, I'm so proud to be over six feet tall. It's, <laughs> does that point. make any? Like, like, what is the point? I, I, I'm not sure that's the same thing. Why not? I didn't choose either of them. I just happen to be American. I happen to be over six feet tall. Right. I, right. I, I've pride no. in either of them. No, I understand what you're saying. It's just really stupid. I mean, really. Like stupid. if they, it's yeah. like you know, am I proud to be a man? Am I proud to be a woman? Am I proud to be white? Am I proud to be black? Like, oh, are you proud? Of, why be proud of anything you can't choose? You can't. You, you had you no dictation. You didn't in. have any say in it. 
You like I'm, no you should be proud. You should be proud of your accomplishments. You should be proud. You have the best morning show in that's the country. That's something. But I think, had, I think the great thing about our country is that a lot of people did participate in building what we what exists today. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think those people should be proud of it. I have no say in. I didn't do anything that made this country right, great. Right, like if you, <laughs> then I had nothing. To what do, do you mean? It. You're on the show every day. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I, no, I had nothing to do with it. I shouldn't be the one standing there like, hey, this is my time to shine. You know, all the guys in, that, that fought in the in the military, they <laughs> should be the ones. That, you know. The, the just, anthem's about them. They should be the ones standing, commending them. I'm, okay. I'm standing there like no. a dope. I'm, I'm no. in, you know, eating hot dogs <laughs> at the game. Why did I and do I'm, this? I'm up. Well, why did you tell me about this? I, why? Because it, it was so hilarious before. Like, <laughs> why, why should I be proud? I'm six three. All right, all uh, the women stand for the women's anthem. All the men stand for the man's right. anthem. It's, it's, it is kind of true. It's funny. No, it's not true at all. Okay. It's, okay. <laughs> but it is funny. Okay. Um, talking about women. Oh, you're a woman, Jennifer Harrison. Thank you, I am. Uh, thank you for that, Bill. That was really it. enlightening. Uh, one of the major stories today is this girl. <laughs> you should be proud, <laughs> yeah. This girl, Gabby Petito, was murdered Horrible. by her boyfriend, Brian Laundry. So now there's more details to that story. So it turns out that there's a letter where Brian Laundry, who committed this uh, homicide, his mother, his mother says to Brian, if you need help burying a body, basically I do it. So now you can absolutely 1,000% attach the laundry parents to part of this crime. You may remember when all this was going down, they were really, they weren't very helpful. Very they were almost, evasive. Yes, almost nasty, almost arrogant. And now you seem to know why. They knew their son did it. And in this letter, has this letter been confirmed that it's absolutely the mother and any of that? Hey, Noam, or Deb Valentine, Deb Valentine, has it been confirmed that this letter is, in fact, from Brian Laundrie's mother? Do we know? I do not know. Um, I, I actually have not read that letter um, and, and looked into that aspect of it. Okay. Uh, well, here's the question for you, though. You've got a son. How old is your son? Eleven. Eleven. This is a God forbid, and maybe a horrible hypothetical, but it's worth discussing on radio. If God forbid your son was ever involved in something as dastardly as that, would you want to help your son or for the betterment of society, even though you love him, have him serve his time? Listen, I, I'm the kind of mom that and person that if my son came to me, like, I'm loyal. Yeah. I, I obviously would want to help him in whatever way I could. Um, I don't think that that would be helpful. Burying the body, I, because what is he going to do? Go on the run for the rest of his life? I mean, what what is that going to solve? You know. Um, so no, I don't. I don't think that I would. I would do that. I think I would facilitate turning him in and the right way and getting get him the best attorney that I possibly could. Um, but no, I don't think I would. So you, you would go to your son, turn yourself in, and he said, "But mom, I'm I'm never going to make it. I'm going to die in prison." Blah blah blah. I love you. Please help me. You wouldn't, you wouldn't eventually... Well, cave. you have to weigh the options. What are the other options? There are no other options. Right. So, <laughs> not, I mean, where, yeah. where is he going to go? Cuba yeah. or Venezuela or, you know, right, right, forever? Right. So you would advise him to turn himself in? Yes. Okay. Uh, the big news yesterday from the political front is that Nikki Haley has now joined Donald Trump as the second Republican uh, candidate to run for president in 2024. And she put the, together this really dramatic... Kind of schmaltzy, boring. yeah, boring <laughs> video, and there was music attached to it. Lewis hated it. 
You hated this uh, announcement, didn't I'm you? I'm drifting away from her slowly now. Did you like her before? I really liked her before. Oh, yes. you did? Now, why are you drifting away? Because of yesterday or because of well, other and, issues? Uh, I, I listened to what Andrew said yesterday about that. There's things I still don't know about her, but yeah. I, I thought she was a good governor, and she seemed smart, and she was good with foreign affairs and that stuff. I, I just wanted to hear somebody new, basically, too, and she's smart. That's that's what I think. All right. Well, this is uh, this is her announcement from yesterday telling everybody that America is not a racist country. Here's Nikki Haley. Cut number 10. The railroad tracks divided the town by race. I was the proud daughter of Indian immigrants, not black, not white. I was different. But my mom would always say your job is not to focus on the differences but the similarities. And my parents reminded me and my siblings every day how blessed we were to live in America. Some look at our past as evidence that America's founding principles are bad. They say the promise of freedom is just made up. Some think our ideas are not just wrong, but racist and evil. Nothing could be further from the truth. I have seen evil. In China, they commit genocide. In Iran, they murder their own people for challenging the government. And when a woman tells you about watching soldiers throw her baby into a fire, it puts things in perspective. That is America not racist. Put things into perspective. There's more to this. Oh, the beauty is there's three parts of the Nikki Haley announcement. Here is part number two. Even on our worst day, we are blessed to live in America. I was born and raised in South Carolina, so I have seen the very best of our country. People here threw out the old, tired political establishment and demanded accountability for their tax dollars. Industry reports called us the beast of the Southeast, which I love. People came by the thousands for fresh starts. Moms and dads held their heads up high. Children learned that it was always it's a great day in South Carolina. It's a great day. It's a great day. A great day. A great day in South Carolina. We were strong. We were proud. And when evil did come, Police in South Carolina are looking for a gunman following a shooting at a church. Several in victims, Charlotte. we don't know the uh, severity we turned away from fear toward god and the values that still make our country the freest and greatest in the world and she goes on to talk about bullying oh my yeah god. well more? yeah one more oh. one more she is not okay with bullying and won't allow it here in america <laughs> wow come come off the limb <laughs> here's nikki haley cut number 12 we must turn in that direction again. Republicans have lost the popular vote in seven out of the last eight presidential elections. That has to change. Joe Biden's record is abysmal, but that shouldn't come as a surprise. The Washington establishment has failed us over and over and over again. It's time for a new generation of leadership to rediscover fiscal responsibility secure our border, and strengthen our country, our pride, and our purpose.
Some people look at America and see vulnerability. The socialist left sees an opportunity to rewrite history. China and Russia are on the march. They all think we can be bullied, kicked around. You should know this about me. I don't put up with bullies. And when you kick back, it hurts them more if you're wearing heels. I'm Nikki Haley, and I'm running for president. <laughs> all right, so she's in. Trump is in. Maybe Tim Scott any day now. Pompeo. We've heard these names, right? John Bolton. Uh, obviously, Ron DeSantis. So our guy out of Louisiana, John Kennedy, was on Fox News yesterday, and he likes a competitive 2024 race. Here's John Kennedy. I think competition makes all of us better. I think you'll see other people get in the race. But they need to talk straight up to the American people, uh, tell them what they believe, don't lie. Uh, If they've changed their mind on something, explain why they changed their mind. But more important, tell us what they would propose in their first uh, 100 days or one year in office. And don't just complain. So what do you think, Nikki Haley? Jumping back in. Or jumping in, I should say. I mean, you know I love that last line. I think that made the whole speech a little bit worth listening. <laughs> a little <laughs> long, winded. But uh, you know, I think it was a direct hit at a, a direct attack on Donald Trump, too. And I how's mean, that? You know, it's not just Russia and China that she's calling a bully. She's calling him a bully as right, well. Right, right. I think you're right about that. And those two, after getting along so well, and all those rumors for so long that he wanted to replace Mike Pence, his VP at the time, with... Nikki Haley, it ended up getting very ugly in the White House, like it does with most people with Donald Trump. So you think that bullying remark was directed right at him? Yes. Mm, You're probably right. All right, we've got uh, Peter King coming up at 840. Always great on a Wednesday morning. Waiting to hear back from Michael Michael Goodwin, New York Post columnist, 9 o'clock hour. Sid's take? Macedonia, Phil, what's the game about today on this Wednesday morning? We're doing another one that was, uh, which was first Wednesday? Which was first it sounds exciting. What is that? <laughs> you have two options. You have to try to, try to figure out which one. Right. Is, which right. One oh, oh, right. Okay. There you go. And uh, we'll talk to uh, Noam Layden. He's coming up next as well. It's the Wednesday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning with me, Sid Rosenberg, Jennifer Harrison sitting in. And we've got more right after this. Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Google Dial Slide 829 on your Wednesday morning. Folks, join the 77 WABC VIP Club by downloading the app or going to wabcradio.com slash VIP. Enter now for this week's 77 WABC VIP Club prize. It's a personalized and autographed copy of WABC owner-operator John Katzmatidi's new book. This sounds awesome. He was on with us Monday talking about it. How far do you want to go? Lessons from a Common Sense Billionaire. In fact, John promises you'll read his book. You will be a billionaire, too. Join the 77 WABC family as every week we're giving away prizes to our 77 WABC VIP members. 
Prizes include live event experiences, celebrity meet and greets, signed memorabilia, concert tickets, and more. This week, once again, a personalized and autographed copy of WABC owner-operator John Katsimatini's new book, How Far Do You Want to Go? Lessons from a Common Sense Billionaire. Sign up for 77 WABC's VIP Club by downloading the app or by going to wabcradio.com slash VIP. You'll also receive a special members-only newsletter and be automatically entered for a chance to win each week's 77 WABC VIP prize. Become a 77 WABC VIP like me. Sound good, Jen? Okay, thank you. Uh, Noam Layton is here as he is, 825 every weekday morning, with the latest from only God knows where. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, uh, prostitutes at the Super Bowl. To uh, What was Monday again? Uh, Monday was Valen Slimes Day, people who cheat on their spouses. <laughs> right. Uh, yesterday was a love story because it was Valentine's Day. Nice. And today we're going to talk about Dead whales, Sydney and Jennifer. Dead whales. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nine dead whales over the last couple months. Yeah, what is that about? It? You know, yeah. it's funny. I actually co-hosted with John Katzmatidis a couple of weeks ago on Cats at Night in the Afternoons, and that was a story we covered. We brought on some lady. She's like some Manhattan, I guess, marine biologist. Right. She had no real answer uh, for why the whales were ending up dead. All over the place? Because what? she probably supports the windmills that are killing them. Correct. That's exactly well, right, Jennifer. Bang. So interesting you say that, Jennifer. So we went, as we always do, uh, Sid, we did a deep dive on the whales. He loves right? to say deep dive. Yeah. So uh, we, too. deep dive in the ocean. Like yes. Yeah. <laughs> you got the joke there, uh, Macedonian. I'm a little pro. slow, but I get them sometimes. <laughs> Clean Ocean Action is this group that says the noise from these offshore wind turbines that are being built out off the Jersey Shore are uh, upsetting these whales. And that's why they're coming ashore. So I spoke with her yesterday. This is what she said. We have been proposing a pilot project to really kind of understand what the ecological consequences are going to be. Um, it just seems like, you know, it's full steam ahead with offshore wind, regardless of the ecological harm. But there is another side to the story, uh, Sydney and Jennifer. National Ocean and Atmospheric Asso- Administration, which is, of course, a governmental association, says they did a study. They say wind turbines have nothing to do with it. There's no evidence to point any of these deaths to um, wind energy development. I'm trying to blame it on sonar and or seismic blasting when these companies are not doing seismic blasting. That's done for oil and gas leasing. So this is where the deep dive began, right? We have two <laughs> opposing sides, right? right? I don't know if you know this, uh, Sydney, but I uh, I studied, uh, I did a double major. People think I'm a journalism major, but I did a double major in oceanography and whale speak at the University of Miami. Well, none of this is true. I mean, none of it. No, this is true. Oh, I mean, it is true. Yeah, okay. I graduated University of Miami. <laughs> so we went to uh, Rockaway Beach yesterday. Uh, right near your home, in fact, uh, yes. the one that has the impromptu indoor yeah, pool, that one. Yeah. So, <laughs> and uh, we stuck a microphone into the ocean there, and we said, let's hear some whale sounds, and then I would interpret them. Maybe we could find out what's going on. So you want to hear what happened? I'm I, dying to hear what I, happened. I'm dying I can, to hear. I can interpret it for you. Uh, here's a little bit of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Oh, so interesting. Okay. So the first part there, he said, go see Gemini Lounge coming to a theater near you soon. So there's a little more. Oh, okay. How does he know about Fandango? He says you can buy your tickets at Fandango. 
By the way, he gives your movie. Hold on. He only gives your movie four snouts out of five. I'm not sure what the, why he doesn't explain why. Okay, hold on a second. Wait, wait. There's more. There's more. Yeah. Oh, okay. Baba Booey, Baba Booey, Baba Booey, <laughs> Howard Stern's Private Parts. Uh, uh, uh. Now, that's a great movie, yes. <laughs> uh, oh, wait, there's one last thing. One last thing. Yeah, just one. Hold on. Oh, so interesting. I guess he's been listening at 825, <laughs> and he said this is a really stupid segment. Get rid of it. Well done, Noam Layden, once again from way downtown, showing up big. And Noam is here every morning at 825. That is great stuff, Noam. Thank you. Great stuff. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. morning we put this time aside every week because this guy as they're always saying in my lifetime and if god's good to me i'll be 56 in april right there with rudy giuliani as the best politician in the history of new york spending the better part of four decades out on long island doing an amazing job homeland security all of it and now a major and i mean major superstar on wabc between this show John Katzmatidi's show, and his posts every week leading up to this appearance. Pictures of me and him in the past, pictures of me, him, and Bernie, and all the comments he makes, absolutely hilarious. So with that said, here he is, the great congressman, Peter King. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, Sid, and congratulations on Jeremy Lounge. By all accounts, you are a, uh, a superstar in so many ways. <laughs> you're like you're the Renaissance man. You're thank the you. Jewish God. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. The movie is uh, pretty good. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I, watching it and watching yourself on a major motion picture was pretty surreal, Pete, but that was a lot of fun the only on Monday night. thing is, every time you talk about it, Curtis gets involved. <laughs> <laughs> I've had it with that guy. He was actually there at the screening on Monday night. I don't know how he got there, but he was there. I let everybody in. I know. They really do. So, Peter, let's get to the um, yeah. the major story. Uh, and that is, of course, uh, what happened in, in yesterday's New York Post. On the cover of the New York Post, they showed the latest crime statistics. And every one of them yeah. was up. And some of them were up significantly. So I go to work every day making an argument for the mayor. He'll be on this show, I believe, Friday, because I know how hard he works and I know he cares. But between the legislators and the governor up in Albany and some other issues and the fact that maybe, maybe he hasn't been aggressive enough, things aren't changing for the better in New York City. What did you think of yesterday's New York Post? 
No, it's pretty devastating. It shows how bad the situation is. As you know, I think Eric Adams is trying to do the best. I, mean, I have some uh, you know, improvements I think can be made. I have a great regard for Keith John Sewell, the police commissioner, and the rank and file NYPD are the best in the world. Having said that, where I think the mayor is not doing enough is going after the governor and the state legislature and the city council. I know he needs them for funding for other programs and all that. But to me, there's nothing more important than stopping violent crime. They're getting down there and saying what has to be done. And the fact is that the governor goes, you know, gives lip service. He makes a cosmetic change to bail reform. The legislature digs in harder than ever. The city council is like the public bureau. I mean, this is different. In the past, I remember talking to Bill Bratton. You say, no matter how bad things we get in New York in the past, you know the district attorneys are on your side. Well, now they're not. You know the city council would be on your side. Now they're not. The state legislature was always uh, somewhat reasonable. They were pragmatic. Now they're not. So really, it has to be the police department and the mayor basically taking on the state and the city council and the DAs, except for Mike McMahon in uh, Staten Island. I mean, the fact is that it really is time to take off the uh, gloves and really get down to you know, bare knuckle fighting on this and say that people are dying, people are being mugged, people are afraid to come to New York because of the, uh, the, you know, the, the, the feeling of lawlessness that's there. I know murders are down. I know they're taking guns off the street. All that is important. But they got to have to go beyond that because when you just see the people walking up and down the street. You see the characters on the subways. You see the people don't really feel safe anywhere. That's why as bad it was in the 70s or 80s, you know, they were, uh, you know what neighborhoods to stay out of. You know what streets to stay away from. Now, there's no place where you can be, uh, have any reasonable guarantee of being safe at all. So I would say the mayor, keep doing what he's doing, but do more and be more critical of the people who are blocking us. I know he needs money for education, for health care, all of that from the state. But the fact is, you see all the people that are moving out of New York. I thought one of the most interesting statistics, I guess, was the New York Times, that in the last... 10 years, 200,000 African-Americans have moved out of New York, and they're moving back down south. Now, talk about a reversal of history. Wow. And because basically uh, it's often in those neighborhoods, the lower-income neighborhoods, that the crime is the, it, you're more rampant than ever, and the families who suffer the most, the people who live in those communities. So it's supposed to be done all this, you know, tying the hands of the cops in the uh, interest of civil rights and the people being hurt the most are those who uh, these people claim to be helping. It's funny that you say that, um, Peter. Jennifer Harrison from Victims' Rights New York here. Good morning. Thank you for joining us today. Um, It's funny that you say that because Latrice Walker, who is an assemblywoman representing parts of New York City, actually equated the victims' rights movement to the KKK. And I find that hard to believe. Um, You know, she's calling me a racist for wanting the bad guys to be locked up a little bit longer and to try and prevent some of these deaths that are happening um, when most of the communities that are being affected are the black community. Absolutely. I would say 80 to 90 percent of African-Americans who are murdered are murdered by other African-Americans. The crime rate is higher. And again, we're talking about the 99 percent of the good people living in these communities. They're the ones who are suffering before. Rudy Giuliani and Bill Bratton come in. There was over 2,000 murders a year in New York. The overwhelming majority of those people being killed were African-Americans. And you think all the good years of uh, Giuliani, of Bloomberg, of uh, uh, you know, Bill Bratton, Ray, Ray Kelly. During those years, think of the thousands and thousands of lives that were saved. And 80% of those were African-Americans. So there's thousands of African-Americans alive today 
because of these KKK tactics they're talking about. Now, when Ray, Ray Kelly left uh, uh, police commissioner after 12 years, he was considered, now they look back on this as the reign of terror when the cops were terrorizing everyone. He had favorable ratings over 70% in the African-American community. So the people who live there, and again, you know, to get 70% from any community is a lot in politics, believe me. But to be the police commissioner, where you know, cops are out there, unlike firefighters who are uh, rescuing people, the, what, what people see cops doing is locking people up. So it generates a certain hostility, even though by locking people up, they're saving lives. But it's not as directly obvious. And yet with all of that, Ray Kelly had a, over 70% favorable approval rating in the African-American community. So the people who live there like what the cops are doing. Not the politicians and the, you know, those who go on television or the Al Sharptons of the world. You should never be surprised, I guess, Peter King, when you see a story that involves corruption in and around Joe Biden and the Biden family. Today's New York Post to cover. Company paid James Biden, that's Joe's brother, for 2012 Saudi negotiations. Quote, they dare not stiff Veep's kin, supposedly upwards of $140 million a million, I should say, in this deal with the Saudis. So we know, of course, about Hunter Biden. We know that Joe Biden's been named big guy. His brother James has come up in the Hunter Biden laptop stories as well. What about this latest story, James Biden and the Saudis? Jim, it's hard to even keep track of all these stories. They come out <laughs> so often on, on, on the Biden family. And uh, to me, it, it, what I find so frustrating about it, not frustrating, but really annoying, is how the mainstream media writes these off somehow cheap shots against the Biden family, how, uh, you know, Paul Hunter Biden is being harassed. Joe Biden is just trying to do the best job he can as president. His, his brother is a hardworking businessman. I mean, there's absolutely none of the anger or the antipathy uh, you see toward, let's say, the Trump family. My God, every time, uh, you know, some member of the Trump family looks the wrong way, you know, it, you know, they're calling for a special prosecutor. They're talking about how terrible it is. We know what Biden is, excuse after excuse. And uh, whether it's on that, whether it's... Uh, uh, you know, the whole thing also, which is now coming out, how actually a long time ago, but now it's breaking out more into the open. Like people like General Clapper, who said that they didn't mean to say that somehow the uh, information on uh, Hunter Biden was, you know, Russian disinformation. Exactly that's what they meant. And Joe Biden was saying that during the campaign. I have, you know, 52 uh, you know, intelligence leaders who say that the attacks on my son are part of Russian propaganda. The fact is, it was all true. And the media has never retracted that. And they had to know at the time that that was BS, what those uh, you know, so-called intelligence people were saying. And yet they let him get away with it. And as he was hiding in his basement during the campaign, it's, it's really shameful. It really is. And, you know, I spent all morning because I think it, they made a, a pretty big deal um, with General Flynn about him being registered as a, I forget the exact terminology, but a lobbyist for a foreign agent. And I can't find anywhere that uh, Joe Biden's brother is registered as a lobbyist for a foreign agent. Yeah, I don't know if they have or not, but the fact is, why would any of these countries be hiring them if they were not Bidens? I mean, what expertise did Hunter Biden ever show about Ukraine or energy that would enable him to get, what, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars you know, from Ukraine, from, uh, and then you know, his family with Russia and Saudi Arabia? No, this is all influence peddling, and, uh, and it's done at such a level that uh, if it was anyone else the best thing that happened to Joe Biden was having Donald Trump elected president because that meant that whatever Biden Biden family did would never be covered. So long as you know, uh, the media could attack Trump, they were happy. 
Let's uh, go back to Donald Trump. You just mentioned him, Peter. You've been uh, pretty vociferous, if you will, very opinionated about Donald Trump and his run in 2024 while saying very good things about Donald when he was president back uh, four years ago. Now, Nikki Haley jumps in yesterday. And look, I had this discussion with Brian Kilmeade earlier today. I can't get excited about any of these people because I truly believe and I believe very, very strongly it's a two man race. Haley has no shot. Tim Scott, Pompeo, you can name a thousand people, good people, good Republicans. They don't have a shot against these two mammoths, Donnie and Ronnie, Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. But what are your thoughts on Nikki Haley jumping into the race? Yeah, here's where I disagree with you. If you go back and look at the polls, whether it was Jimmy Carter or George McGovern, uh, no one thought they had a chance. They were like a one in two percent in the beginning. We, we don't listen right now if Ron DeSantis runs a strong race in the primary. If he shows he can handle the national scene, yeah, he has an excellent chance of defeating Trump and, and becoming the nominee. But you don't know until the bell rings how, how these contenders are going to do when they leave the environs of their own state and they're actually out in the national media. I mean, people who just collapsed overnight. Jeb Bush was supposed to win in 2016. Muskie was supposed to win in uh, you know, 1972. And they were knocked out by the first or second primary. You just don't know. Listen, Rudy Giuliani, I was very involved in Rudy's campaign for president. And throughout 2007, that whole year before, he was by far, no one was close to him in the polls. And yet, just the way the primaries were laid out and the circumstances, Rudy was gone by Florida. So you just don't know. So, and Nikki Haley, I've worked with her somewhat. I, I've gotten to know her. She can be a very effective candidate. It's going to be up to her to show. But I wouldn't write her off. I mean, she was U.N. ambassador. She handled herself very well in the media. And uh, to be honest with you, when she was first picked as U.N. ambassador, I didn't know, you know what, what the talent she really had. She was governor of South Carolina, and that was it. At the U.N., she did a phenomenal job. And uh, I know that even though there's probably going to be some harsh words between them now, that President Trump had a great respect for her. I remember when he, President Trump came up to a Brentwood on MS-13 uh, to basically turn that around. Uh, on, the, on the plane, it was Nikki Haley. She, she flew up with us on the plane. That was the respect the president had for her. He really relied on her. So don't, don't sell her short, Sid. And again, she, she's in much better shape now than Jimmy Carter was yeah. this time in 1975. Good point. Um, while we have you here, I wanted to ask you about Congressman Garbarino. There's a lot, there are a lot of mixed feelings. Sid and I were talking about it before. He, I, I don't think that he's really a Garbarino fan. I think he's a great guy. He's a lot of fun to hang out with. And I wanted to ask you, because you represented that district for so long, um, I think part of the problem might be that that district was so moderate for such a long time that he, you know, and he has to be your job as a congressman is to represent the people in your district, not your party. So do you think that that might have had anything to do with it and that he might be able to vote a little bit differently now that redistricting made it a little bit more red? First, I didn't see anything wrong with his votes. The one that they talk about was the infrastructure bill. He would have been crazy to vote against that. I mean, that was the first time ever that Long Island and New York got their fair share of federal funding over the years. As Moynihan used to point out, we're always being shortchanged. I don't know what other votes you know, they're talking about. He's done an excellent job. The police fully support him, the military, on every key vote he's been there. And again, some people try to point out the infrastructure. I thought it would have been not just politically wrong, but philosophically wrong. Why shouldn't Long Island get the same percentage of funding back that states throughout the South and the West have gotten for years when New York was always being shortchanged? We were getting, I don't know what it was, 70, 80 cents back on the dollar, and the Carolinas were getting 120% back on it. No, he, I think Andrew's done a great job. I stand with him all the way. I support him in the primary. He won big. He won big in the general election. And I don't think he's reckless. I'm moderate. I think it's certainly right of center. 
and certainly on the key issues of crime and defense, he's been very strong. Talking about doing a great job, that just now, Peter King, for the last 10 minutes, that was an amazing job. As always, showing a big on a Wednesday, hitting a home run. As we get ready, Peter, for baseball, pitchers and catchers for the Mets tomorrow. (laughs) I tell you, I I can't wait. To me, there's nothing like baseball. I totally agree. The smell of the grass, that sunshine, the whole thing, nothing like it. Hey, Pete, great job today, buddy. I love you. Thank you very much. We'll do it again. All right, take care. Thank you. You got it. Peter King right there on Sitting Friends in the Morning. Nice job by Jennifer Harrison as well. We will come back. Got a big fourth hour ahead. What are we calling today's game, Macedonia Phil? What's it called? Which happened first Wednesday? Which happened first Wednesday? The number is always 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Wrapping up our number three, sitting friends in the morning, only right here on Talk Radio 77, WABC. Is Sid and friends in the morning? Friends who say he's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Oi. Tell me here the Beatles. I can't help but think about Eddie Scazzeri. I know it sounds crazy, but the morning uh, show board up at the fan. But I like works. the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He loved Harry Harrison's Breakfast with the Beatles. That was his. He loved that. Never missed it. Never. Did know, you like it? I know it's kind of like goofy. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Uh, good he's old guy. I miss. I miss Eddie. Yeah, me too. He was, he's a good guy. Yeah. War is uh, thirteen. Still does. His Marino. Th- Dan Marino jersey proudly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no matter how he looked. <laughs> I know. Are you a football fan, Jen Harrison? I am. Are you a Jet fan? I I don't really have a preferred team. But did you watch the Super Bowl Sunday with enthusiasm? I did. You did? Yes. You're rooting for a team on Sunday. I was torn. You were torn? Yes. And why is that? I wanted the Eagles to win because they don't win, but Kansas. I love Kansas City. You love the city? You love the team? I, Patrick Mahomes. I love you love him. him. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great you, story. Uh, great guy. Great yeah, attitude. All those things. Yeah. You think that um, meeting Macedonia Phil today, what do you think about him? He doesn't stand for that. He hates America. He does. You hate America. That is Jennifer Harrison's takeaway from today's show. She even posted that on Facebook. I did. I met a guy on Sid's show that hates America. I almost got killed by Curtis Lewa. (laughs) (laughs) Phil hates America, and I learned how to speak whale. What a day. Thank you, Sid. It's a a very eventful day. Yeah, I would say so. But, But you don't really hate America, do you? Nah. So I, don't, what, I don't hate anything. What was all that about like an hour ago? What was that? What was what? That whole thing, no more no more Pledge of Allegiance, no National Anthem. Yeah, yeah. What was all that? I don't know. 
You don't know? <laughs> I mean, do we need to go through this whole spiel again? <laughs> no, I'd rather you didn't. No, no, thank you. No, thank you. Once is uh, clearly see, enough. I don't yeah. want to see any more posts. Please. So Joe Biden uh, <laughs> spoke yesterday after all these things going on in the country, the shooting at Michigan State. He talked about inflation. He talked about a whole bunch of things. And then Corrine Jean-Pierre, who speaks for the president. And you can say what you want about Jen Psaki. She's at MSNBC now. You don't like what she had to say, but no one could argue she was effective in that role. Yes? I guess. Yeah. Smart lady. And she, you, you just don't like what she said. But no. smart, back. Yeah, but she was smart, delivered it well. This lady, KJP, is really, she's brutal. So let's play all the Biden stuff and listen carefully, especially when he starts to talk about the assault weapons. And then what she had to say, and let's see if she's on to something. Or <laughs> uh, completely crazy. So let's go to uh, Joe Biden, cut number five after this horrific tragedy at Michigan State. Here we go. I'm going to say something that's always controversial, but there is no rationale for assault weapons and magazines that hold 50, 70 bullets. <laughs> okay, that wasn't. He didn't even know what the guns uh, I don't even know. <laughs> And the 50 to 70 bullet thing seemed to be an issue for him. Okay. That was the uh, the gun control. Here Biden is talking about inflation. Cut number six. Today's report on inflation shows the good news is that inflation in America is continuing to come down. It's fallen seven straight months. There's more to go. Food prices at the grocery store are coming down. No, they're not. Gas prices are down $1.60 to a peak. Real wages for working Americans are up over the last several months. The living, welcome, breathing, and Melissa, my dad, you said, all I'm looking for, Joey, is just a little breathing at the end of the month. Just a little breathing. Have a little bit left over after I paid all my bills. What do you say there at the end it's about his father? It's always, oh, that's a great story, but no one knows what the hell he's saying. Yeah, what is he saying? He, he talked about his father his there? His father right. needed breathing room yeah, to pay the bills. Pay oh. the bill. oh, oh, you have a little bit left over, so <laughs> in case you need a doctor. I got to listen more carefully. If that even really happened. Play it again. Play Biden 6 again. I, I think I missed the end there. Today's report on inflation shows the good news is that inflation in America is continuing to come down. It's fallen seven straight months. There's more to go. Food prices at the grocery store are coming down. No, it's not true. Gas prices are down $1.60 okay. to a peak. After yeah. he peaked them. Yeah. Real wages for working Americans are up over the last several months. The living, welcome, breathing room. Melissa, my dad, you said, all I'm looking for, Joey, is just a little breathing room. Down Joey. Just a little breathing room. Have a little bit left over after I paid all my bills. Ah, I got it. Okay, so he, at, the state, yeah, at the State of the Union, he said his father called him Joey, too. So, And uh, finally, after the uh, gun control, the inflation, his dad and good old Joey, he talks about the debt deficit. Here he lies right through his teeth. Just another blatant Joe Biden lie. Joe Biden, Lewis, cut number seven. And now we're doing all this and so much more while cutting the deficit more than $1.7 trillion in two years, the largest deficit reduction in American history in my first two years in office. Okay, so he lied about the deficit, right? That's a lie. Uh, the gun control stuff, fine. And then uh, his dad, Joey, very inspirational story. So then here's uh, KJP, Kareem Jean-Pierre, talking about the president's ability to deliver his message to the American people. You're not going to believe this one. KJP, cut number four. Is it the view of the president's communications team that he is equally adept in all settings 
in terms of communications, or are there some that play to greater strengths, some where he probably isn't as strong, et cetera? I will tell you this. The president is the best communicator that we have in the White House. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where do they come up with this crap? But people believe it. I know. He's the best communicator we've got in the White House. He can't get through a sentence. I sit down with our NATO allies and keep them together. I don't have them saying, wait a minute, how, how old are you? What are you, what are you saying? <laughs> you got, I know you got more than that. Taxes on small and small club. What's that? Taxes on small and small club. You got to play gauge, uh, KJP again. Once again, here is our, our opinion on Joe Biden's delivery when he's speaking in the White House. Is it the view of the president's communications team that he is equally adept in all settings in terms of communications, or are there some that play to greater strengths, some where he probably isn't as strong, etc.? I will tell you this. The president is the best communicator that we have. <laughs> but he's particularly strong. <laughs> Made in America. That's three words. Made in America. He's particular, particular. I can't say it. It's a hard Very word. strong yeah. when he's speaking with foreign leaders and falling asleep. Oh, yeah, then he's great, yeah. yeah. He did just do that not that long ago. So made in America is three words. He's not that far from saying the 52 states here in the United States, maybe included Puerto Rico, I don't know. And by the way, if they do, that means, not a joke, everybody, that's why we were defeated in, in 2018. When they tried to do it, we went to 54 states. 54 states? <laughs> yeah, a lot of states. What did he add there, Lewis, to get the 54? I'm curious. Taxes on smoker. He's the best communicator we've got in the yeah, White happy House. Happy birthday, great president. Uh, we know uh, your mom's always with you. Yes. What? That's when he told, I uh, thought Kamala was the president. Oh, that's right. Oh, when he wished her a happy birthday, Mrs. President, a couple of weeks ago. Happy birthday, great president. Uh, we know uh, your mom's always with you. What about when he was trying to talk to that lady who's been dead for like months? Oh, my God. Yeah, that was a rough one. That was one of his all-time Our classics. I want to thank all of you here, for including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? No, she's I, dead. I didn't think she was, she was going to be here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> She's been dead for months. Play uh, KJP again, cut number four. Yeah. Is it the view of the president's communications team that he is equally adept in all settings in terms of communications, or are there some that play to greater strengths, some where he probably isn't as strong, etc.? I will tell you this. The president is the best communicator that we have in the White House. <laughs> I can't get enough of it. You know, Sid, thank God that you have another career outside of this that you can talk about because this is a morning show. Yes. And if you had to talk about the disaster that this administration is, I think people would just kill themselves I if they, they had would. to listen yeah. to this depressing stuff. That's why we have to move off it every now and then and do something funny like this. The Secretary of State and the Secretary of, of the uh, of uh, uh, the military uh, be behind me uh, are, uh, they, they've been deeply, deeply involved in this, this whole effort. <laughs> Thank God. Reimagine the team around the big three, Steph, Draymond, and, uh, and Kyle. Well, you guys are something. <laughs> <laughs> that was Clay Thompson. One more time, the Golden State Warriors at the White House celebrating an NBA championship. He got Steph Curry. He got Draymond Green. He's looking for Clay Thompson. Once again, it sounded like this. Oh, same one. Yeah, same oh, one. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. 
reimagine the team around the big three, Steph, Draymond, and, uh, and Kyle. Well, you guys are something incredible. I mean, <laughs> Draymond. You know who you are. Draymond. Oh, God. I mean, Draymond. Uh, play for me, if you wouldn't mind, KJP, cut number four. Yeah, please. Is it the view of the president's communications team that he is equally adept in all settings in terms of communications, or are there some that played a greater strength, some where he probably isn't as strong, et cetera? I will tell you this. The president is the best communicator that we have in the White House. Yeah, there you go. He's the best communicator we've got in the White House. Well, does anybody think if we're doing it for the first time now in the 20th century, 21st century, going into the 20th century, <laughs> from the 20th century going into the second quarter of the 21st century, <laughs> that we'd say 12 years is enough? Huh? Think 12 years is enough in the, going into 20, 30, 40, 50? Huh? <laughs> I don't know whether to laugh or cry. He's all over it. <laughs> Uh, here is uh, his Biden's economic advisor, Cecilia Rose. She was on MSNBC yesterday, and she was defending the president inflation, the prices of eggs, the price of eggs, I should say. Go with uh, Cecilia Rose, cut number eight. What do you read on the um, prices continuing to rise again on that specific issue? Well, so inflation is when prices are rising. So that we understand that inflation is too high. But if we look at inflation uh, in January, which was overall 6.4%, that's in contrast to 9.1% last June. Then uh, she goes on to talk about the, uh, the price of eggs, Cecilia Rose. So if we look at grocery prices, yes, the, the price of eggs increased, but at a slower rate than they did last month. So that's uh, Cecilia Rose trying to convince the American public, Jen, that things are getting better. Inflation is down. Is that true? I think you're right about that. There, you finally got something right. Tim Ryan in Ohio said he doesn't want you there. Warnock said wouldn't say. Do you think they're making a mistake? No, they're by 16 there. I've already gone in for yet, and a lot more last. Another 20 or so. So I'm going to be doing it. You want to explain that one, Jen? No, no. they're by 16 there. I've already gone in for yet, and a lot more last. Another 20 or so. so I'm going to be doing it. You know, sometimes Bill O'Reilly will come on on a Thursday and he'll say to me, Sid, you don't get it, man. The guy is just, it's over. He's got some cognitive issues. It's a health thing. He doesn't remember where he was. Sometimes, all kidding aside, who he is. So I feel like sometimes Bill O'Reilly wants me, John and Lou, to be more sympathetic towards the man. And then when you play stuff like that, Unless you've got no heart at all, a complete black hole, you can't help but think maybe O'Reilly's onto something because it's it's just so bad. Now that doesn't mean that you give him the benefit of the doubt as the president, right? right? right. Can, I mean, we we can pray for him, and right? We can be sympathetic, but he's the leader of what used to be the free world. Exactly. He should be eating Jello at four o'clock in the afternoon in Delray Beach, play shuffleboard at four thirty. Maybe catch an early movie at six for a dollar fifty and go to bed at seven. And you know what, Sid? I blame his wife for oh, allowing Jill's this the worst. to happen. One hundred percent. I don't know what kind of deal she made with who, but this this is elder abuse. Well, she wanted to be the first lady, mm-hmm. and that's all she cares about. I mean, she uh, walked around that stadium on Sunday in Arizona. She's an Eagles fan. She was at the game wearing a forty-six Eagles Biden jersey because, of course, Joe Biden is the forty-sixth president. So she's in Arizona with the forty-six Biden shirt. She got about six million views. It's a lot of views on Twitter, but she loves being the first lady. She loves it. So you're right. She's the the real evil behind this. So on the way out after that very informational educational segment. Let's uh, go to this cut. 
This really explains it all. Lewis, this would be KJP, cut number four. Is it the view of the president's communications team that he is equally adept in all settings in terms of communications, or are there some that play to greater strengths, some where he probably isn't as strong, et cetera? I will tell you this. The president is the best communicator that we have in the White House. So you need to know, folks, 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Sid's Take is coming up at 940, brought to you by my dear friend Pete Morgan and the fine folks at Peerless Boilers. Sid versus Jennifer head-to-head on this Wednesday morning. Maybe a couple of phone calls and some more news right here on Sid and Friends in the morning. We're coming right back. He promised to have an infrastructure week. For four years, he promised infrastructure. He has you completely bamboozled. In the morning. From my friends. 77 WABC. Day, by the way, I shouldn't say that. You know, whose birthday is today is dead, but and yesterday would have been even better if I brought if you would have been yesterday's birthday because Andrew Giuliani was in studio. Chris Farley, oh, yes, who played Andrew on those SNL bits. Wow. And today is his birthday. He would have been, let's see, 64. He would have been 59, yeah, but he died at the age of 33 back in 97, way too young. Did you like Chris Farley? I loved Chris Farley. Yeah. One of the all-time greats. It just made me laugh when I saw him. I know. I started laughing. He didn't have to say anything. No. But when he did that uh, shtick, when he was, uh, those inspirational speeches. Except when he used Down the by the river, Matt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was great I stuff. I mean, he'd fall on a table and it would break. He just. Just amazing. Did, I don't know why. He just. Was he was funny. funny. He was just funny. Yaramir Yager, one of your favorite hockey players, Lewis, 51 years old today. Yeah. Can still play. He can still play. He still does, I yeah. think, right? In uh, Europe? Yes, he does. Matt Groening is 69 today, and Matt was the creator of um, The uh, Simpsons. The, yes. Is that still on? Oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah. And Futurama's coming back, too. That's another one of his big shows. You don't watch The Simpsons, Jen? I used to. How many years ago? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, me too. I'm surprised it's still on. Oh, my. It's been gone for 50 years. Is it still good though? I don't know. I, I heard. Watch. I've heard it's not. It's on Sunday nights at eight o'clock still. 
Yes. Do you Sunday watch nights. it, Phil? No, I've never been big into The Simpsons. I need to, that's something I like would be right up my alley. Too. But you like Futurama? I love Futurama. W- what is that about? What? It's about the future. Some guy <laughs> in, uh, <laughs> a thousand years from now. Yeah. Is that like better than Family Guy? Or? I think I think it's way better than Family Guy. Not even close. American Dad. American Dad was good too. I I mean, family Guy is just too dumbed down for me. I don't. Family Guy's hilarious. Is that Stewie? So, family Guy. Yeah. yeah. Is that still on? Yes. Family it is guy, still yes. on. Yeah. So all these cartoons are still on. Yeah, cartoons last really long. I had no idea. Yeah, no idea. Well, you know now. Yeah. <laughs> this is something you learn. You learn something every day. This is what you learn. I today. did see something with the Simpsons a couple of weeks ago. It was like after an NFL game. And it was a Fox late game, so my TV was still on Channel 5, and it came downstairs for a double dog like two hours later. And I thought I saw Bart Simpson on TV, but Bart and uh, Maggie. <laughs> Who'd you mistake him for? I know it was like a rerun oh, or okay. something like that, but I guess now they're still making them. So happy birthday to Matt Groening, 69 years old today, and Melissa Manchester, who sang the great song Through the Eyes of Love. From the movie Ice Castles. And this will make you feel old. Phil turned to me and said, "Who? who's that? I know. But that was John and Margot's first dance at their wedding. Through the eyes of love, Melissa Manchester, 72 years old today. That's why he doesn't know. So. Oh, yeah. because it's before yeah. him. Like, he's ever heard of Jane Seymour, have you? Say? Jane yeah. Seymour. Uh, Great actress, model. Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> yeah, you've heard of him. <laughs> yes. He said a long time, too. Yeah. He died from a heroin overdose uh, many years ago. And the original Joker. You know who that is, uh, Jennifer? No. Cesar Romero. Is he? But he's dead. He would have been 86 today, but he died back in 1994. With a smile on his face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Better Joker, Macedonia Phil. Cesar Romero or Heath Ledger? Oh, Romero's one of the greats. He He's is. one of the greatest of all time. Do you like Batman? Do you watch that stuff? And- I watched, I think, all of them. No. No. That's not true. That's not up your alley. No, I watched You're not a big comics book guy, I can no, tell. No, I, I don't, but the Batman stuff is different. It's cooler than the rest of the comics. Because it's dark. Yeah. It is? Oh. Yeah. I never got into any of them. We you need know, Batman. You, you like Reddit? We need Batman. Oh, we need him now. That's right. To combat the crime in the city. That's right. Good point, Jen. Did you see that uh, That Michael Keaton's coming back as Batman? I didn't see that, no. He, he had a Super Bowl commercial. Oh, is that right? Yeah, for that Flash movie. Did you like him when he was Batman before? Yeah, I thought he was actually a really good Batman. He did? Okay. No. All right. I don't better know. He was better than George Clooney. He was better in Multiplicity when he was like... <laughs> or something, he was still was... the best in Night Shift. That's, oh, that's still right. Keaton's best movie. New so. guy! <laughs> yeah. Boy! Now... It's time for Sid's Take. Sid's Take! Sid's Take, yeah! Good luck. It's Sid's Take. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters. On 77 WABC. Well, alrighty then. I love that song. What song? Sid's Take! Oh. Sid's Take! Is that a song? Yeah, in the trade, I guess. It's number four on the charts. What would you call it? I'll call num- it more like a jingle. A number? I'll call it a jingle. A jingle is a short song. wouldn't say it's a song. I wouldn't. Would you call it an anthem so Phil wouldn't have to stand? <laughs> yeah. Phil, <laughs> Sorry. Sorry Phil, Phil, that, Phil actually had a good thought off the air and then when asked to illustrate I, it on the air. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, have one, I have one moment of uh, intellectual brilliance. Yeah. It was yeah. worn off. It yeah. was so well, passionate. So I know, I, but then, I, but then you, didn't, you, didn't bring it, you didn't bring it to game no, time. The 20 minutes later, I just didn't care anymore. Right. It was That's... like, you brought the fire in practice all week, and then, and then you came in, you know. You're talking about practice? Right, right at kickoff, and, and you just didn't bring it. No. 
So. He left it on the left in the locker room. Right, yeah. I, I I screwed up by bringing it to his attention. You're almost as bad as like the reps from that uh, Super Bowl game. Uh, okay. Oh, that, those are still tears, let's dry talk, tears on Justin Chief. <laughs> you stop that. All right, <laughs> <laughs> the game, the Wednesday edition of the uh, Peerless Brothers. Sit- <laughs> yeah, yeah, please. I don't need it anymore. Okay, sorry. There was no flag on the play. And, uh, we're going to continue we'll on. And, uh, the pro- uh, yeah, no. here we go. Wake up, Justin. Justin Green. Eagles still would have lost, by the way. Uh, well, that Eagles loss and this game. Sponsored by the great Pete Morgan and uh, Peerless Boilers, Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters. you got to go to uh, PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com for a dealer near you. Because they're America's best-built boilers. Before it gets warm out, everybody, you gotta get uh, you got to get your boiler. Or your Pavilion Tankless Water Heater are contestant for today's game. Which came first Wednesday? Did I get that right, Philip? Yeah, I think it really cares. Okay. Which came first Wednesday? Rick, out in Elmwood Park. <laughs> What's going on, Ricky? How you doing? Uh, erectile dysfunction did ruin my holiday. Not having a woman to have sex with ruined my holiday. Oh, uh, oh! Where's the damn uh, drum? Where was the, what's what's that in reference to? Did we just play an erectile dysfunction ad or something? Which came first there? Yeah. Oh, we did. Okay. Oh, all right. Sorry, we we turned we we turned the volume off during the ads. There, Ricky. <laughs> no, no problems. You want to slip that? Calls crazy. I don't feel like hearing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially at Lou's age, Rick. Uh, now, now, look. Now you're now you're nope, scaring him. Nope. This is a big problem. Holding. <laughs> Holding. He tugged on his jersey. All right, Rick. Uh, you understand the premise for today's game? Do I have to go through the rules with you? Which came first? Which came first? All right. I'm going to give you two uh, events, I guess, or uh, historical. Uh, I don't know things, bookmarks, whatever you want to call them. And you're going to tell me which came first, okay? Okay. All right, here we go. Number one. Henry Ford built the first Model T Ford car, or Nintendo was founded. Which came first? Henry Ford. Negative for you. Nintendo was founded in 1889, and uh, the T-Model Ford car was built in 1908. That's interesting. What Nintendo? What, what Nintendo, Phil? They made like cards, like trading cards. Oh, the did 1800s. they really? Yeah. How about that? Wow. Trick question. Yeah, that, that was a toughie. Oh well. On to number two, Rick. That was a really hard question. Number one, Phil. They're supposed to get like increasingly harder as you go. Hey, okay? you, you always have the opportunity to write the game if you want. <laughs> yeah, just funny, funny, funny guy over here. <laughs> All right, Ricky. <laughs> don't, don't fall for it. Yeah, don't fall for it. He's just nope. kidding. Uh, your uh, two uh, events on number two. Which came first? Terry Bradshaw won his first Super Bowl, or the day Tom Brady was born. Oh boy. Let's go with Tom Brady. Oh. 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 They're getting incrementally harder. I know. That was a good effort, though, Rick. Uh, now, Terry Bradshaw's first Super Bowl win, 1975. Tom Brady, born in 1977. All right, on to number three, 0 for 2. Let's uh, get back on the wagon. You're trying to get a correct answer. Which came first? The first commercial of Apple's Macintosh computer aired during the Super Bowl, or E.T. was released in theaters across the country. Which came first, Rick? What was the second one? E.T. was released in theaters across the country. The movie E.T. Oh, E.T. That was like 82. And what was the first one? Uh, the first one was the uh, first commercial of Apple's Macintosh computer being aired during the Super Bowl. Oh, crap. Let's go with E.T. There you go. 
Good guess, Rick. I just want to jump in real quick, too, before oh, someone corrects. God, here we go. Oh, Terry man. Bradshaw's first Super Bowl was 72. I, I wrote 75 for some reason. That, that was wrong. Someone's going to come, you know, well, technically, actually, it was 72. Well, it was still Terry Bradshaw. Was I know, it's still right. That's still the right answer, but I just, the year, was, I put the year wrong. I'm not sure that was really, like, worthy enough for you to I mean, ju- I, jump in here for a sec. I know? feel like there's not a lot of things we say that are worthy enough for anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Uh, holding? Another, on another moment of brilliance. Bradbury? Yeah. Yeah. Could you pick up that flag? Like, <laughs> yeah. Can you pick it up? It's funny. You guys are funny. It's very original. The too. flag is a uh, mistake. It's it's. You could tell it's a flag. It's yellow in comparison to all the tissues mm-hmm. that uh, Justin spent weeping Lou, away. Let me, let me know when he's done, okay, Lou. Just we'll, let me know when he's done. We're going to work on that one, Phil. And yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Genius wasn't uh, it's done. In, Rome <laughs> wasn't built in uh, Genius. Yeah. Is Rick even still there? Like, if I'm Rick, I would have hung up the phone by now. All right. One for one for three, Rick. He listened to three other stations. <laughs> yeah, 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 and that whole time. Jesus. Rome wasn't built in a yeah. red flag. Oh my god. All right. Uh one one for three, Rick. Uh which came first on number four? John Lennon was assassinated or Ronald Reagan was shot in an assassination attempt. Which came first, Rick? Ronald Reagan. John Lennon was assassinated in nineteen eighty. Ronald Reagan was almost assassinated in 1981. How about that? All right, one for four. Rick, you, you still have a chance to go two for five, which ain't a bad day because I can't imagine Sid would get a lot of these correct. So I can't, I can't believe the game is still going Yeah. On. Which came first on number five, Rick? The Gemini Lounge has its red carpet release or Sid gets to move back into his house? Gemini Lounge. Oh. See, he probably got, he probably was thinking of the screening. Right, Rick? You were thinking of the screening, but the actual red carpet release doesn't happen until uh, June. Yeah. Sid gets moved back into his house in May. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Uh-oh. One for five. Here to be the- honest, I wrote that. I, I don't even know the answer to that question. Oh, no. I could be wrong. Oh, we're no. actually going to get the real answer. <laughs> so. like, Why would you do something like it's that? It's a disaster. Though? Without checking. I, I, how would I check? It would ruin the game. It would ruin right, the question. Is the game hard? Uh, it's not easy. How many get right? Uh, one. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, trouble. It's all over the place. Well, it just, it, it just depends. Well, that's Phil. Phil's all over the place. Yeah, that, well, no. tell me about it. We just we just had a perfect illustration He of doesn't that. want Pledge of Allegiance. He doesn't want the National Anthem, but he would stand for the Black National Anthem. Believe me. Did you say Pleasure yeah. of Allegiance? Right. Pledge of Allegiance. Oh, oh, oh. Nobody has any idea what he's talking about, like, no. ever. I don't think like, I have a full grasp on it, either. Some of yeah. these things just come out and, hey, and have to nice. deal with the consequences what? afterwards. What do you think I sit here trying to decipher his logic? I'm, I'm going to be in a, a grave a long time. And Phil's going to be making like $5 million dollars yeah. a year. Yeah. Yeah. I'll probably be in that grave before yeah. you go. Yeah. Just, just remember, I'm the one who got you going, okay? He's yeah. going to be on a yacht. I don't know yeah. how I got here. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's because I didn't stand for the pledge? <laughs> yeah. Hey, what are you, all you black people doing on my yacht? <laughs> oops a daisies All right. Are you ready to go? I'm ready to go. You need two. All right. All right, which came first, Sydney? Henry Ford built his uh, first Model T Ford car, okay. or... Nintendo was founded. Which came first? I got to know nothing about cars. Um, uh, the Ford or Nintendo? Yeah, the founding of the Nintendo. Ford. Mm-mm. What? I know. Apparently, Nintendo made trading cards that Phil has. You have trading cards from Nintendo? Yeah. I never said that. No, you did. Don't they make games like video games? They do yeah, now, but, but they, they started in, out making cards. In 1889, they made trading he says cards. They made cards. Nintendo's been around since 1889. That's what Phil says. 
<laughs> good thing, good thing this is something you can't look up or anything. All right, all right. So, did he get it right? The uh, the plan? No, 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 no. The guy no. who made the Nintendo wouldn't get it. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, he's dead, so he would not get anything. All right, number four. <laughs> on to number two. Which came first, Terry said? Terry Bradshaw won his first Super Bowl, or the day Tom Brady was born? Which came first? Wow, I know uh, Bradshaw was like seventy four or seventy five. They beat the uh, Minnesota or Dallas. Well, Brady was born. Mm. Tough. I'm going to go Brady was born. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Told you I'd suck. Oh. Terry Bradshaw's first Super Bowl win, 1975. That's what I said. Tom Brady birth, 1977. Oh. Oh, I just want to jump in here real quick. Oh, God. Uh, so remember before how I said I corrected myself, it was actually 72? Yeah. Uh, I was wrong. It actually is 75. So. It doesn't matter, oh though. It doesn't God. impact the answer to the question. <laughs> oh my God. I re- is that this one? <laughs> my revision yeah. was... It's the, the answer still... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Let me just jump in two may have been Miami. I don't know. Oh, my God. I don't the know. The undefeated season, 72-73. No yeah. I, I don't know. I think Phil, Phil's probably the best at saying, I'm going to jump in real quick and then not making a quick call. <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to jump in <laughs> no, right it's now. Okay. I'm open to Let's go. 1972 <laughs> was Miami. Okay. Right, there you thank go. Thank you. Number three, which came first, the first commercial of Apple's Macintosh computer being aired during the Super Bowl, or the movie E.T. was released in theaters across the country. Wow. This is hard. Uh, the first Apple commercial or E.T.? I'm going with the first Apple commercial. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say E.T., but I got scared. Yeah. You got <laughs> those were your two options. <laughs> I got scared. I was going to say that. E.T. released in 1982 and uh, first Apple Super Bowl commercial, 1984. See, I thought it was so obvious that, like, the, the, uh, the Nintendo thing, I thought I'd be... Right. I, I got too cute. I thought too much, so... It was a hard question. For Never think one. too much. It's going to uh, hurt you. Anyway. Over three. Yeah, you, uh, look, at, look at Phil. Yeah, I'm still <laughs> recovering from that last hour. You need uh, both of these final two to win today's game. Unlikely. Okay. Let's try. Number four, which came first? <laughs> John Lennon. John Lennon assassination. Right. Or, that was Ronald, or Ronald Reagan assassination attempt. Lennon. There you go. Lennon was 1980. Yes. Dead on a right. Yeah, right. right. And, and then uh, uh, Reagan was like 82, maybe. 81. 81. 81. There, you yeah. yep. there you go. There you go. On to number five. I can win. This one you should get. All right. Which came first? The Gemini Lounge has its red carpet release, or <laughs> Sid gets to move back into his house. Oh, that's they're you both li- around yeah, June. You literally just. But the red carpet release is probably May, so I'm going to go with Gemini Lounge. It's whatever you say. It's your yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm wrong. I guess on the. End. <laughs> I understand that. I mean, it's I not just whatever oh, you say. I know. So well, why did yeah. you hit the wrong button? No, because well, you said the wrong. No, it's got to be the the, the the red carpet's in May. The house is June. What I wrote down was just a guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I'm just God. going on what the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, well, that also <laughs> technically means that this guy, Rick, was got that one right, too, because he also said the Gemini. So he played to a 2-2 tie? I guess so. <laughs> I guess. All right, congratulations to Rick in Elmwood Park. Oh what an abysmal effort from Phil. Yeah. <laughs> it was oh, God. <laughs> Phil, this was a very tough game today. Very. Well, I mean, it's a good job. Good job. I yeah, like that. Uh, sometimes you got to have hope. Yeah, no, that's great. Great yeah. job by uh, Phil. Great job by Justin. Can I jump in real quick? Oh, I got <laughs> we'll come back and wrap things up on the Wednesday edition of Sid and Friends in the morning. What right after these words? It's Sid's Take, sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. Sid and Friends in the morning, 77 WABC.
shows coming up the next two days. Tomorrow, very busy Thursday as always. Judge Napolitano, Bill O'Reilly, Bo Deedle, Joseph Takapina, and more. Mayor Eric Adams. Looks like he'll be here on Friday. And uh, you got some explaining to do, as they, uh, as they say. I mean, not a great week for the mayor, at least in terms of the publicity. The New York Post yesterday detailing all these crimes and going up pretty significantly. We had that conversation earlier, Jennifer, with a few of our guests. And um, some of the folks in this city, like me, willing to give the mayor the benefit of the doubt, see what he can do moving forward this year, this being his big year. Others are like, now nah, I've seen enough. One year, it's getting worse. And um, not a lot of in-between. Folks either really like him or hate him. I think you may be one of the few people that are kind of in between. Is that I, fair? I want to like him. I yeah. want him to do a good job. I want him to succeed. I want people to stop being victimized and killed in the city. I want to be able to come here with my son again and enjoy it. But I, I, I can't. You know, yeah. he, he can't say that he's for public safety and cleaning up the streets and then support awful pieces of legislation like less is more. He said that he supports elder parole, which will, and if it's passed with fair and timely parole, it will mandate the release of even more violent recidivists. So you can't support stuff like that without disqualifying crimes included and, and say that you're for public safety. That's fair. Hey, great job today. Nice having you here today. Did you Thank enjoy you it? Thank you for having me. I had a great time, even though Phil hates America. <laughs> he does. And what is the name again of your organization? Victims Rights New York. Victims Rights New York. Jennifer Harrison, great job today. Phil? What can I say? It's probably best you don't say anything. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't say anything. (laughs) Oh, God. Lewis, great job today. Lou Rapino, as always, MVP stuff. Justin Ellick, terrific work. Deb Valentine, always the consummate professional. And a great job, too, today by Noam Layden. He taught us all how to talk well. Once again, back tomorrow for a very busy Thursday morning. Be back at 6 a.m. Two great shows to come your way before the weekend. Until tomorrow at 6 a.m. From all of us here on Sid and Friends in the Morning to all of you, New York City, on this gorgeous Sunsplash Wednesday. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GoboLaw.com. Gobble Law, where winning is no accident.